The Revenge of By The Numbers is, as always, brought to you by Esports Bet. They are still running their World's Prediction Series 2 competition, which is free to enter via the website. They'll give you some DJT and you can start making predictions and potentially access some of that 10 million USDT prize pool. Now, if you watched the recent episode on this channel of Competitive Edge that I did with Monty, I talked about the Blast group stage coming up for the Blast 4 finals. And indeed, for their group stage, I actually picked out a cheeky underdog. Maybe if you're playing the World's Prediction Series 2 competition, you might follow my prediction that Big Clan will upset Heroic, a team that was once upon a time one of the best teams in the world. I think in a BO1, it can happen on land. They've got the nice tactics to do it. They can sort of catch the throw from Heroic, and Heroic sometimes starts a little bit slow in competitions. Chris is still very much in the round. Oh, Chris, he's found three. It's down to a two on two. Chris, can he close this with a ace? Hey up, everybody. Welcome to another episode of By the Numbers. Revenge of By the Numbers. It's got all the names. And while well, we are back in this week going into Blast, there's lots of news to talk about. There's a bit of the drama picking up as well. But before we get into all of that, I want to thank everybody, in particular those who have been actually pushing this, the podcast form of the uh, show, because that's been showing up on Spotify. On um, We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We've been obviously putting the show out on YouTube. Thanks to everybody supporting there. But if you happen to be listening on Spotify or iTunes, be sure to drop a review on there, because that helps a lot in terms of getting getting out there, getting the word out there, and the algorithm, you know, the almighty algorithm, God, you know, all hail the algorithm. So even if you just leave like a one word comment, just leave a comment, leave a review, anything like that. It helps, you know, promote the show. So big shout out to everybody who's been tuning in there. That's awesome. And well, you know, it's time for another week. So Thorin, how you doing, my dude? Have you had a good few days? Nice weekend? In general, all right. Yeah. I'm sort yeah. of getting back into my groove on some work stuff. So you'll see some forthcoming stuff soon enough. Might even yeah. be some. I, like I don't ever give I don't ever give spoilers if people know how I do it. But but it's I've got I've got at least one piece of content I might be dropping soon that might blow some people's minds. So we'll see. Uh-huh. All I'll say is this. It'll it's only it's more blow your mind in this sense, Samuel. It's one of those ones where if you ask like haters, what about that? They'd be like, dude, that, that never happened. And you'll just see when it drops that as usual, I do what I want. This is my world and y'all are just fucking observers. So enjoy yeah. enjoy the show. I mean, basically, now we're going to get into the thick of it. I'm really, yes. yeah, we're live, we're live in it out. We're in. Okay, good. Just making sure that everything's up and running. Everything is good. It's happy to see. Cool. Yeah, dude. I mean, all right. Already right off the bat. Um, I mean, I guess we can just get right into petty grievances because like, yeah. you, know, you know, there's already a topic that I was wondering about kicking around and you just straight up right when we got on the call, you're like, we need to talk about this. So yes. fair enough. I want to get your take on this oboe situation because uh, it seems, it seems really weird. It just seems really weird. So already you said that you had an opinion on it. And I want yeah, to yeah. Basically, this is an exact, like most of the petty grievances are exactly as the name suggests. It's just something petty that something's happened to us or you or Richard and we're just addressing it and we're, or, or using it as a platform to get back at people and to correct the lies and fabrications. But this is actually one where I think I've got like a fucking righteous message. Mate. It reminds me of when I was doing Blast and I was doing that The Message segment where I tried to sort of like be yeah. sort of, almost like a fucking father figure to these fucking pro players, right? People are going to naively think, Sembler, because I imagine all the other podcasts will probably do this, that we're now going to join 
following the TMZ circus and now comment on like Obo's life, like what's he tweeting, like what does this tweet mean? Speculate, like oh, could the, this could be from this or it could be to do with that or like, maybe the, what in the background? And oh, but if I zoom in, like we're not going to do any of that. Here's what I'm going to address: it's the response to the Obo situation. Right? Here's the thing: I totally understand why initially when Obo, a guy who a few years ago was a professional player for Complexity, but then he obviously famously said he needed to go back to NA because he was having to live in Europe for too long. It was having some sort of a toll on him. At the time, people thought maybe he'll join another team. He never did, basically, and he sort of disappeared. And then recently, a couple of times, he briefly would come back, come on social media, say some stuff, then go away again. And basically, people already were thinking, like, is there something a bit weird going on here? Because, for example, when he would come back, he would do stuff like retweet old clips from 2020 when he was doing some good highlights or something. You'd be like, okay, does that mean, does that mean you're coming back? So I can see why initially, first of all, at the potential that he'd come back as a player is an interesting storyline. But then more importantly, when some of these tweets started to look a little bit like the careful way to phrase it would probably just be a bit disturbing or a bit alarming or maybe a bit out of character or uh, I would even say suggesting something like maybe the person is undergoing some sort of mental duress. Maybe they're having a hard time in some way. You see that you see you see the pictures like I missed it when it was happening, but uh, people in my Discord, you know, they like the guys they put together like the 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 collage of the pictures that ended up getting taken down. But I mean, you take a look at those pictures, you're just like this is not somebody who's doing well right now. Safe to say, it's uh, it's definitely it's a really weird thing. But this whole like it's been like this for a while though. Like you yeah, say, yeah. Yeah. every time something happens with Oboe, it just turns into like front page Reddit news. There's a thread. There's speculation. Everybody's getting in on it. What's happening to this guy? And it's like. I don't know, man. As soon as he deleted his uh, his uh, social media, I was like, "Good." <laughs> Actually, like I was like, "Okay, he's just gonna cut ties. Maybe he's going back to school. Maybe something's like that." Here's like my that problem, happening. though, dude. My problem is basically this: I get initially when nothing's happened and you just see the person making a, a bunch of different statements, why people would get rally around the sentiment. Is there anyone out there who knows this guy? Can someone contact him? Can someone contact his family? Right. Let's get Jason Lake out. involved. Let's get the complexity players yeah. involved. Yeah, that makes sense, right? That pip now as an impulse and an, uh, an initial move that makes sense my problem is this similar the problem is when jason lake when obo's family when people like you've played with him try to get involved it's not going to be resolved instantly this isn't a movie you don't you don't skip scenes and suddenly it's another day and you you find out how it's resolved so because nothing's happened yet this is where i think it's totally inappropriate because here's the problem similar it's fine if people were like separately that's a bit disturbing wonder what's going on or they're messaging people get in contact with him it's the it's the fact that so many people similar seem to a be following this like some sort of fucked up netflix drama that they're like oh i'm on season episode three. Oh, i wonder if it's gonna be season two like that's already fucked up because i they're almost like you can see there is sort of that, that tmz like fucked up element where they they, they they don't quite know it's a real person's life you know what i mean they're yeah. almost commenting like this is a character from a show and as a result i've even seen some mad inappropriate comments but then even worse than that they're also on mass. You can go to his Twitter. People are replying to him. Now, this is totally out of bounds. And here's why. Because who the fuck are you? Just some fan of Counter-Strike. So because you're a fan of Counter-Strike, you're going to go and say, oh, here's a person who appears to be in some sort of distress. Maybe even could be a, a risk to harm themselves. I'll just try to contact them and send a message from my brain into their brain. That's a responsible act. I'll probably save their life. What a fucking insane premise to even have. Who are you? You're just some guy. What have you seen a TV show or a movie where someone talks them off a ledge? Yeah, that isn't you. You're not going to be the one who does that. What you don't know is this, and I'm 
being very serious right now. Every word you send to that person directly could be the trigger to make them do something that you cannot possibly predict because you don't know them. You don't know their life. You don't know their current mental state. You don't know what they're thinking in their mind. So even by the way, and this is a really serious point to make, even seemingly positive like messages of support, get help, bro, like stop tweeting or like uh, what's going on in the background, like don't harm yourself. You don't know even those could trigger the person. You cannot possibly know this is such a fragile situation, potentially. You don't want to be the guy, by the way, where you were the last person in the chain of cause and effect that did something and then he did something as a result of it. You want to be the person sitting back going, I hope this person gets help or what's that Jason Lake and Cooper have said they're in contact with people that know them right help is on the way let's all actually sit back give this guy as little attention as possible because this could also be tied to parasocial aspects and himself thinking well, I could be someone on the internet but I'm not here. who knows right so as a result just sit back and let it resolve itself let's not keep prodding this person let's not mock this person let's not tell this person things like log off bro just log off touch grass bro you don't know what that could fucking do to someone's mental state I can tell you as someone who I don't consider to be a person who's in mental distress etc if you get thousands of people message you, even if a lot of the messages are positive, you never know which way that can, can hit you. Because at that point in time, you're just being hit by all these triggers and all these different things are going on. There's things you don't even know in your mind again, activated traumas and baggages and all sorts of shit. And then finally, the other aspect is this. Within this, there's also the angle that makes me sick, which is I get why someone like Config would publicly say it. He was a teammate of this guy. He probably lived with this guy. He was in hotel rooms with him. He, I get why he would make an earnest message and be like, just contact me, mate. Like at any time, like I'll come out of practice. Everything. That's great. But here's the problem. That also, I get the vibe is what some other people in the scene who don't know this old boy guy are doing. And they are, I'm not exaggerating. They are farming this guy's fucking tragedy and mental condition for their own likes to be like, look, this is a good guy too. So the one I'm going to call out is an obvious one. Because by the way, he, within the last few months, said, I am a piece of shit shit and he will reveal it so you know what he's on the fucking docket for everything he does for the rest of his career so simple the greatest csgo player in the world decided he'd insert himself into the story and the way he has done it is so fucking irresponsible i feel like he's made no progress as a human i feel like i'm just talking about simple in 2017 or 20 fucking 15 or 2014 the guy who cheated the guy who stole the knives the guy who said ridiculous things about germans burning in hell or see you in hell or whatever like that i feel like i'm talking about that guy now not the guy who cheated destroyers when they beat him in 2018 not the guy who won the awards who said that great fucking message at Kanavitsa about the conflict and about the fact that he played with Russians and played with Ukrainians it was more important to overcome it and peace is important I don't feel like that guy's made it anymore mate I feel like something dark's happened to this fucking guy because his set of responses to Obo are so inappropriate basically first of all he just replies to him with a bunch of like crazed fucking emojis like the crying laughing emoji like just laughing emoji a bunch of those and then when people sort of are trying to say like what the fuck are you doing bro it's like inappropriate he basically suggests like let me check exactly where his phrasing was he I says know, but i understand how to talk with hashtag with uh air quotes crazy people like me so please right first of all you don't know you are not you are not some sort of expert clinical psychologist you haven't spent years working in an outpatient unit you haven't even known people in your life beyond people like your friends and family who perhaps even have had this situation and the idea the idea by the way that you a dickhead who steals knives and cheats on the internet and can't get along with someone who holds B, slightly worse than you on Mirage. That makes you, air quotes, crazy. And now you know what this guy's life's like. Motherfucker, what are you talking about? You don't. And also, like I said in the tweet, how inappropriate, mate. This is like some sort of fucked up dark meme where someone's like, 
Help! Is there a doctor in the house? And you're like, well, I have been voted Counter-Strike Player of the Year twice in a row, so excuse me, ladies, can you clear the room? I need space to work. What the fuck are you gonna do? All you're good at is shooting people in a fucking video game, but in real life you think you're fucking Jesus coming down to the lepers, bringing them up with your power. I owe your fucking mind. Wind your fucking neck in, you twat. Tell you what, aren't you on your little break right now? Wasn't this that much-promised break of maybe if they... By the way, spoiler, it was just... I'll, be, I'll just be real up with you. He thought Na'Vi might tank after Boomich, and if it tanked, he was just going to be a little bitch and take his ball and go home for the summer. And that way he wouldn't have had to lose to Cologne and all the rest of it. He wouldn't have been there, would he? And then you'd all go, but when he comes back, to blow face. It's not even real. So, spoiler, you've heard the news. Maybe he's going to be missing Blast. Maybe he's off doing some sorts of shit. But it's nice to know he can still come down from Mount Olympus to just fuck with the mortals' lives like this. Apparently, in this case, just for some sort of mad, like, oh, like the joke here is it's like he really is just like, oh, so some Twitter drama going. Well, I'm simple, so I'm going to insert myself. Like, why would you? Why would you, mate? And also, this isn't normal oh, Mike, Twitter drama. It's one thing if this is just banter, people saying things about players in Counter-Strike, people going back and forwards with beef. This is a scenario that, quite frankly, in my opinion, has nothing to do with Counter-Strike. It's about a real man and his mental health and what the condition of his life is right now. So that that's not a, a, for a, a time for frivolity, for jokes about that. And it's definitely, like I say, you know what I said earlier about how you've got to be really careful what you say? Imagine saying directly to the person that they're crazy. Are you fucking kidding me? That would be like top of the family feud. Like things you do not say to someone who might be in a distressed mental situation. Ha <laughs> ha, bro, I am crazy like you. Ha <laughs> ha, crazy. And then all emojis. Like, are you, are you? The yeah. joke is that you're trying to reverse engineer a scenario where something horrible happens to this person. That's what it looks like. I know it isn't the case. I'll give you that much. But fucking hell. Like in general, that's like I say. I just I, What I hate about this whole thing is it just feels like a lot of people were bored. And then like I say, to them, it's like a new Netflix drama. Just dropped. They're like, I can't wait to get into this like Woodstock 99 it was all a failure and that like no this isn't a documentary it's a guy's life it's a guy's life guys come on give me your thoughts that's that's pretty much it it's like kind of like hey it's been a slow news week this is the thing like you're kind of like going on reddit there isn't much just a couple clips here and there you know and then all of a sudden there's just like oh a little bit of open news there they're in here like oh give me that give me that sweet sweet drama give me that what what is it what is it give it to me and like they just get involved and then this is where it's this is where Again, it's not to, well, I don't know. You know, it's like if I see something like that that happens publicly, if it happens in a public tweet where you're reaching out to somebody or you're messaging somebody and you do it publicly in a public tweet, to me, that's just like, it's a front facing, it's a, it's a clout. It's you like, wanted people to see it publicly. You, you want to DM the guy? Yeah, yeah, you could DM him. Like second guess your motives every time because I'm always just like, well, or you could yes. DM him and then it's private, right? And if it's serious, usually you're going to DM somebody and it's private sort of thing. And, you know, Config never had beef with him, never had a problem. But, you know, it's just like if he's going to send 10 messages to Oboe publicly and they're all getting thousands of likes and all that, I'm just like, uh, or just DM him, you know, like just send him a DM. You have his text message. Like you have his, you have his phone number. Just what's up him. You know, like, why are you doing any, why is anybody doing anything on public Twitter at this point? You know, it's like, you see something like that happen. It's, it's like, if you know the person well enough, you're going to have their phone number at that yes. point, you're sending him a text, you're giving him a call. You're not making some, you know, you're not making some tweet for everybody to see. So Again, this just feels like this This is this weird bend that we're taking where it was a slow news week. There wasn't much drama going on. It was just a bunch of clips on Reddit, and all of a sudden this Oboe thing pops up, and everybody's just like, sweet. Here's my fix. Give it to me straight in. And, um, yeah, it, it's not pretty to see, man. It's really not. Uh, it's, it's like a very weird sort of situation sometimes you find yourselves in online where it's just people are just making these kind of comments online, and the only reason that I can see it, and maybe it's just I'm too cynical or jaded or whatever now, but, like, whenever I see stuff done publicly like that i'm like ah, i start questioning i'm always like questioning the motives uh which oh, is I'm a real thing 
Yeah. It's a shame. You know, it's a shame that it's be, it's like... I mean, think about this, Semler. It's not like you're being overly cynical, though. You're in an esports industry, which the last, like, three or four years of this show, all the petty grievances are about how it's just about optics. People don't really have anything below the surface. They just care what people think and uh, how they appear and how they are perceived. And so I agree with you. There is some of that. Like, here's the thing. A couple of people, like I say, in my opinion, the Cooper guy, Jason Lake, conflict. The reason why them doing maybe a post publicly is good, because it might quell other people trying to contact him. Like, right, someone who knows him, it's got me caught. But as I say, when you're doing it too much, and especially in certain cases, like the simple ones, like just don't even get involved, mate. What the fuck are you doing? Do you see me just jumping in there messaging the guy? Of course not. And the difference is, mate, unlike you, I actually could deal with some fucking delicate work there. But the point is, I wouldn't claim to know this person. I don't know what their situation is. I have no idea what even these photos mean. Quite frankly, yeah. I think it's mildly inappropriate to speculate, but that depends on the thought. If you're doing it in a private forum or whatever, like not whether directly to him, whatever, I guess it's just the nature of the world. But I found the whole thing just like, what's mad is even though everyone was sort of rushing somewhere to show how compassionate they are. I actually found sort of the lack of basic human compassion the disturbing part about this story. Because as I say, I don't feel like people are engaging with this. Like, it's a real human on the other end of the computer. No, that's the thing. It really feels... It feels very off-putting because the whole thing is... Man, it's not some... It's not off... It's... Everything is so curated online. I think that's also the thing, you know, where this is this gets a lot of attention. It's because I've almost never so seen curated. by the way. Dude, exactly. I would tell you this, I've almost never seen it happen. Because you know what? This has happened, but it's always behind the scenes normally. You know what I mean? It's very rare ever leaks out in the public. There's people have had meltdowns and all sorts of things, and people have actually killed themselves, sadly. But usually that's all done privately, you know. Yes. That's that's the that's the thing where it's 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 a that may add that may add to the interest for people because they're just like they, they get everybody craves the real now you know because everything is so curated online everything is so fake and like you say it's just about optics and surface level bullshit that when when something maybe without even realizing it when something real comes along it's it's they, they're just attracted to it like a moth to a flame they can't turn away and sometimes it is going to be something like this where you're just like ah um it does seem like he needs a, he needs a hand, but again, you need to be asking yourself that question. Like, are you the person to give that hand? Like you've been pointing out, or, you know, is it reach out to family, reach out to friends, Jason Lake, people who have worked with him in the past, people who have his number, you know, it's like, those are the people who should be getting in touch. You shouldn't be doing anything online. It's just a really weird thing. And then it feels like you're kind of piling in to hope you get your moment in the spotlight as well. I don't know. It's mystifies me. It's, it's really, it's really a bizarre thing. Um, well, okay. I mean, we're, we don't want to take up too much of the, too much of the show with this. Just give some thoughts on that. Um, I mean, there is that news. Speaking of simple, there is that news that he is extending his break. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's like where he is, but the last time I saw simple was like on Instagram stories, partying it up in Dubai with, uh, with Morgan Stern and Boomich. Uh, so like record, recording, recording music and like popping champagne and just doing crazy shit. So I was like, I don't know if he's still in Dubai partying or whatever, but it sounds like he's not going to actually make the first week of uh, blast and that they've had to bring in a stand in for him. So, um, I don't know, do you, what, like, it seems really weird because it sounded like going into this break, Simple was just like, yeah, it's all going to get resolved in the break. This is great. We're going to have like two, three weeks off. I'm going to get everything squared away and we'll be back. And then that's just not happening here. By the end of the break, it seems like he's going to actually have an extension and these blast groups might get completely screwed up if Navi, who are the other top dog that can actually challenge FaZe, they're not going to have their star player. 
Well, I mean, the thing I find cringe about it is this. Like, you know, a little while ago when Boomich was going to get replaced, famously, there's a stream clip where Simple says in, like, Russian, like, we all told him, like, he didn't listen to any of it. Basically, like, referring to the woman, obviously, he made his wife who wrecked him, etc. He just sort of says all that. Like, first of all, all I would say is, in light of what happened today, who the fuck would take your advice, mate? You can't even handle being yourself. How are you going to give someone else advice that would be themselves? Like, you're a fucking idiot. And then, yeah, on this angle, that's what looks really whack. Because here's the problem with this topic, Sebla. It's a really tricky one, actually. Because it reminds me of the topic that happened in a long time ago in League of Legends, right? So what happened is years and years ago in League of Legends, it was 2014, a long time at the time, League of Legends, uh, TSM player, Expecial, got benched and eventually kicked from TSM when he was actually one of the best like LCS supports. Because basically, when he wasn't like scrimming League of Legends and streaming League of Legends, he was playing other video games. Like, I don't know, I'm going to guess like whatever, like Diablo or Street Fighter or something. And basically, Reginald said at the time, like, you're not allowed to play other games because you have to be dedicated to, to League of Legends. And at the time, right, the reason, that's, that's why I give this example, the reason it's a tricky topic is that he's both right and wrong. They're both right and wrong in this sense, right? Which is, if it's true that I'm not spending enough time on League of Legends and I'm doing other things, then you are totally within your rights as my boss to be like, why don't you spend more time on League of Legends? But the problem is, if I've spent absolutely as much time as you require in League of Legends, and basically the rest of my time is just my free time, then why does it matter if I'm playing Diablo or watching a movie or going to the roller rink? Like, it's the same thing. I'm just using my free time, right? So on that note, right, I have a similar thought about this, which goes like this. If Simple's actually taking time off, because it was alluded to the idea, like I said earlier, if you ignore the competitive angle, I said, maybe he was going to take time off because he was burned out after the year and obviously no one knew what would happen with the Ukraine conflict. And, you know, there was a bunch of reasons why Simple might have taken time off. He claimed it's because he was living out of the suitcase and needed a break or whatever. I mean, the joke is it looked like he's having a midlife crisis by that fucking middle parting, doesn't it? Like, exactly. You're, someone with that haircut is going to give other people advice about life. Maybe not. This is a fucking fire haircut, mate. I've even got a better Zuma haircut than you, Simple. And that's no cap. For real, for real, motherfucker. So, okay, here's what... <laughs> That's going to be a best of all, right? if, if we start doing it again. Right, here's what I would say is this, though. If he really is just taking a break, like he actually needs time off, then it's not like it would be inappropriate to just go to another country, take a holiday, have some time off, forget everything. In this case, party with a, someone who used to be in esports, boom, it's that he might be still. And whoever that fucking rapper guy is. You know, rapper. That's how you let your hair down, sure. On the other hand, though... Yeah. Obviously, people are going to wonder, including Navi fans, like, if you don't go to this blast, and God forbid they don't get out the groups or something, they're going to be wondering, like, isn't our best player off partying in Dubai? Like, they, you're going to have to battle that. That's 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 the dichotomy of being a pro, unfortunately. So I'm not sure which way to come down on it, because essentially the problem is we have to know whether Simple's full of shit or not in this case, and that's actually very hard to figure out, I think. Because even this news came out of nowhere, didn't it? Like, it was only, like, a few days ago. It was like, he might not even be at blast, which is weird to me, mate, because A... Dude, Blast is the last one they won. That's the only thing you won this year, motherfucker. And then secondly, there's not that many tournaments left this year, guys. There's like, what, three tournaments until the major, including yeah. the major. And then after the major, I'm going to guess there's going to be one or two. And that's just the end of the year. So like in the modern circuit, this isn't like, like five years ago. You don't play like 18 lands in a year. You might play 10. So actually, this could be a big deal if he ends up missing this, this particular Blast. It's a question, like, it's, is he going to miss all of it? Because the way the Blast have got it set up now is that they're, they're groups. I mean, the he first group play the best of threes, one, yeah. you do have, like, some, you have a, quite a few safety nets involved, so maybe well, you it's can't like, get eliminated there. You, well, even if you come fourth, you still drop down to one of those best of three matches. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of wiggle room there. But, I mean, that's, I, you and I, we kind of agree on that point in that 
fine, fair enough, you get time off. Everybody wants time off. But if you're on a team and you need additional time off, why, you know, it's like, and your team doesn't do well, what's going on? Like, how, how is it that your teammates are not going to resent you? Um, if, if it is, but then again, again, we don't necessarily know all we're going off of is like, this is just the thing that, you know, I'm scrolling on Instagram. I I'm in the stories and then I see, you know, it's like all of a sudden it's just stories of like Boomich and, uh, Boomich and simple and Morgan Stern and all those guys like popping champagne in some hotel in Dubai. And I'm like, Oh, okay. He's having a good time. But then the next day you wake up and you're like, wait, hold on. He's not actually going to be a blast and he needs an extra break. And the last footage I saw was him partying in Dubai. I mean, you're just connecting the dots. It's not like he's at home somewhere. He's doing something else. It's just that if that's the last thing you have to go off of. I mean, you better hope that your team pulls through. And I hope that there's yeah. no bad blood with the teammates because I don't know, like personally, it would be a bit of a weird situation. I guess on Navi, nobody can really say a word, you know, because it is simple and simple is just so him and his family are so intertwined in that team that there really is no touching. I and mean, he is untouchable on that I team. So you so better crazy. watch out. He's crazy, man. Oh, yeah. Also, he's crazy. Exactly. So, I mean, well, I'll say is this. When, when I hear this whole story and most simple stories nowadays, I just think of the lyrics from the unreleased Kanye track, Straight Fire track, looking up, Alien, which goes, Beam me up. I'm about to sign off. Dumber now. Need time off. Dumber now. I don't believe the time. There we go. I think that's very much the, the modern, the great poet laureate of our age, Kanye West. There you go. Kanye West, yeah. uh, isn't he? It's not Kanye West anymore, though, right? It's Ye. Or, oh, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. some would even say you can't fuck with you. So. <laughs> People was, don't know how much of the, like the Ely Greenwood was misbehaving shit like that just over and over again. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I still to this day, you know, the Jurassic Park. Oh, I know no, that was. The... <laughs> what I loved about that, if people don't know, was I just love any scenario in which the sponsor themselves are like getting in contact. Like, uh, can you please uh, have them not mock the uh, theme tune of our franchise movie that we're sponsoring the event with? And then when they would tell us, because it's like 2015, we also would just be like, oh, go on then. I guess if you're going to fucking ruin the mood or whatever, like, even though we had just paid to do like video games, you know, like, but we were making like they were harsh in our bars, like, no, nah. God, yes, they bloody called you up, the little minions, Jurassic Park or whatever. I don't know. It's metal in it. I know, I know, dude. Actually, actually, like, um, real quick, I guess before I mean, it's not we're today, guys. In case you're wondering, we're going to be talking about like some of the blast groups. There's also some uh, some XS did an interesting interview that I wanted to cover with you a little bit, real quick, and wonder if if you think he has okay. a gun to head or not, just because of talking. You know, like the headline is that uh, Nico has no say in terms of uh, roster, blah blah. So I want to get your take on that real quick. But, joke for you, you ready? That's a, uh, but we'll go into it for real. But obviously, the initial premise, like you said, is Ekstaz came out, and this is the quote: Ekstaz said, "I." I've never seen Nico looking to call the shots, nor have I ever seen him contradict the vision of the, his IGL. That's amazing. A tier one coach admits he was never in a practice. That's fu- that's uh-huh, almost there's, the, there's the joke. Whatever. Uh-huh, it's a joke. Uh-huh, we'll go back to that later. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's just the that's the free gag to start out with. Wait, go on. What what top are we doing first here? No, it's, good. it's pretty good because technically, by the way, the joke is that does look like it was written by a lawyer so they could get away with, like, with that plausible next. It's like, I've never seen Nico do that. What is it? Know, he probably walks, in the, probably walks in the practice and goes, whatever's happening now, I hope it's over in a minute when I uncover my eyes. That really is the end of it. I mean, dude, Yanko, is, Yanko comes, out, comes out as well. in like the, in the Okay, hold on. Before we get into that, I just wanted to point out really quickly that you know, last last show we talked about how uh, it was turning into a bit of a mixed league already, the ESL Impact League. And as I, as I'm watching this, Anders Bloom just retweeted EGCSGO announcing their new roster, where it's three girls and uh, two trans uh, women who are competing on this uh, on this new team for ESL Impact. And I was like, man, that didn't take long. They did not only did they do one, they did two. 
uh, EG really has to lean into it hard. You know, that's the the new vision for that brand is to, to just go really hard on that side of things. And well, uh, they haven't held back. They didn't waste any time. So already EG just getting in the mix. Uh, fair you know, enough. The stupidest part about that is because the premise of the league was that men are toxic and create an environment that means women can't play competitively by your own logic. This could actually, I'm not saying it, I'm saying it's a hypothetical. This could have been a man who did that, who now identifies as a woman and plays in the league. How does that make any sense? That's why that premise was so stupid if you don't get it. That premise was never real, by the way. That wasn't the real reason they made this league. They made this league so that women could have a league to compete in. They made this league because they wanted to have more prize money. They made this league so that they could, or they could actually use a bunch of political sentiment to make... Uh, investments that allowed them to play the by the way as we pointed out a million times being as we know that the money is essentially just created for this purpose that's not even a big deal it's just more tournaments great but the point is we don't have to like it you don't have to just go oh it's awesome just and by the way that's even something i think stupid as fuck anyway have you noticed now they've created an anti-criticism fucking environment around this league so even if you yourself were a woman like my friend foxy that i talked about with the skiller project on the past episodes even if you're someone like her coming along going well i've been i put my in, half of my entire adult life into doing women's tournaments if you critique this league the logic is a fucking woman who doesn't even know esports is going to go so you hate women. We're not even having discussions. You're just blocking the discussions. Like, that's the just tricky, obnoxious. The tricky part is to watch people do that 180 where it's like one, they, you know, just a couple of years ago, you know, they thought one way and they've just managed to, I don't know, maybe it's because you're in that environment constantly and you have to make constant concessions to be able to continue existing in that environment. So if you want to keep your job, you have to start, you know, sure. changing how you see the world. But watching Sapphire change from like, literally saying that she came up not caring about gender at all and just wanting to compete with the best and wanting to go hard to like now just cheering this on the entire way you know like clap clap yes good and everybody else you know it's like like we said 20 people in a fucking podcast and they all just nod along and say yes can we move on to a next topic you know it's like let, let's not talk about this anymore actually we talked about it for about five minutes now that's let's let's move on to the next topic it's like okay great yeah definitely everybody's on board by the way you know another thing this brings up because if people don't know, this has already happened. I think it actually even happened in ESL's league. If you remember a few years ago, I think something happened off the top of my head. Like, wasn't there a scenario similar a few years back where a bunch of men intentionally trolled like an ESL league and pretended to be women and they got like kicked out or something? And back then they used to That's use good. some sort of system, which I'm going to get to now, where the problem is, because obviously, yes, in the past there were famous pros that did this and played in tournaments. I'm not talking about that. I'm all about the entity explicitly a female league, right? When they did this, at the time, the controversy was this. How do you prove that it's someone in good faith doing it? Like, how do you prove that the person actually does identify as trans as a woman? Or how how can how do you not know that it's someone like the extreme example would be like the Zubby guy on Twitter who said, I now identify as a woman, broke the broke world the record woman, for like the weightlifting, yeah. but then afterwards said, now I am a man again, so that he could troll the fact that in theory someone could do it. Now, here's the problem, right? Everyone always does this, Samla. Because it's a really awkward question, because it's open-ended and there's no answer to it, everyone loves to just go, you're just intentionally picking the most extreme stuff. You're making light of this. No, what I'm showing you is there's an obvious flaw here that could be, and by the way, if there's enough money and attention, will be exploited one day. That's just an obvious. If you know how incentives work for humans, someone will abuse this particular loophole. So the question I have is this, just like that ESL league, I think you are opening a can of worms that could, is only going to destroy you as ESL. And here's why. Because what happens when the person trolls and then doubles down and goes, I'm not going, I'm, I am this though. Now, do you, A, kick out a trans person from your league? Spoiler, the activists will eat you alive. Or do you ask for some sort of proof? By the way, 
you see already the letter, where you go in. First of all, what proof could there be for something that fundamentally is something the person believes in their mind? You can't enter their mind. You can't corroborate that. We're just basically taking it at face value because we're assuming most people, I would assume so as well, aren't going to lie about it and they understand it's a serious topic. But the problem is, just having a photo of them isn't enough because that's the dumbest thing of all, Samuel. The reason I brought up this case from a few years ago is because one of the things they wanted to do was see like a photo of you or whatever. Now, the reason why that doesn't make any sense whatsoever is it's actually... If you know enough, me and you have looked into this, other people haven't. If you know enough about that particular worldview and that paradigm of the world, there are absolutely people who say, I identify as a woman, but I'm not going to physically change my appearance or in any way alter myself to be a woman. I'm going to continue with the body I was born in, but I, I identify as a woman. Now, that person, by the way, within their movement, that's an entirely valid point. In fact, by the way, I, obviously, I disagree with certain fundamental elements of the worldview. But if you accept those initial premises, I can't see why they would be excluded. Like, surely they can they can, they can, can just say that's what they perceive too. So I think this entire thing, I don't see, A, I don't see how it helps women. I don't even, in fact, the joke is, this is almost like, without saying the name of it, that famous meme comic, it's like, women? That's like the ESL, except women. Who was trying to help women? Like, the joke is that's like the fucking meme. And then also, I actually think in this particular scenario, you're just gonna, there's just going to be tons of drama in the future. And also, the last thing I'll say is this. If you think this makes sense for these people to compete with all the women, then fundamentally, you do not agree with the mantra that they all say, Samuel, which goes like this. There's nothing in video games stopping women competing on an even ground with men. Well, in that case, why would it even be a problem for them to just compete in whatever scenario they competed in the past? Surely, remember, this isn't wrestling in, by your logic. I'm not saying that. I actually disagree with that fundamental premise too. I don't know if there's differences in video games. I would suggest there are. I've seen enough, yeah, enough years of competition to suspect as much, yeah. But if they yeah. say there isn't, this somewhat goes against it because then why would that person need to compete elsewhere? Well, here's the sad news, guys. And I intentionally set it up so that this will be the final point because you're going to think this is a throwaway point and this is the entire point. Do you know the real reason why these trans women have to be able to compete with the women? To go right back to the initial impetus for the entire league, Semler. Men are toxic pieces of shit and anyone who isn't a man is instantly marginalized and is abused and treated like shit on the internet so we have to create a safe space for them and in fact you might have even seen they did actually say some of that when they made this league they also claimed it would be for marginalized communities like non-binary and yeah. so as a result this was always what the entire thing was anyway it was all that that initial premise so it doesn't surprise me that's one thing I would say. I, like I say, I don't see how in any way this helps, like the scenario of the plight of women. Women's, I'd even argue in this particular case, now you're getting into all this murky territory where it's like, in, in some ways, doesn't that deny women's spots in the, you know, you can get into that I whole think, thing as I well. Actually, exactly yeah. where it goes. It's the same thing in college sports in the States right now, where it's like all of a sudden you have what, are you going to lose uh, college, uh, college, uh, what is it? Uh, college tuitions, uh, college uh, 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 scholarships. Scholarships, yeah. Are you going to lose scholarships for you know girls who have competed their entire lives, trained their entire lives to get that college scholarship, and then all of a sudden they, they're they're going to be pushed out because now they're getting third in a race instead of second or first where they would have been before. So yeah, no, there's there's that question as well. So in terms of performance, I mean, I did hear that argument where it's just like, well, none of them are like none of them are you know it's like well the the women are still getting the MVPs in the tournaments though. And it's just like, well, uh, it's just a matter of time. What a, yeah, what a weird thing. That, that's just also, all I'm like, saying oh, is, yeah. it's so far. Like, so far. You know yeah. what I mean? How does that answer it? You know what? Also, I thought they were all women. I mean, the, dude, this is where it just yeah, gets no, all I, I, weird. By you the know? way, like, people think, Samuel, no, no, that's a serious point to make. 
People will think you're being frivolous when you say that. That is exactly no. what these discussions are like. People come into a discussion and go, right, hey, everyone in this discussion, including people who've been alive decades longer than me, loads more in this experience, I'm going to define the words you're allowed to use. But at any moment, I reserve the right with the get out of jail free card to come in and destroy my own definition. So even though I'll say trans women are women, by the way, spoiler, if you say that sentence, every time you then say women in the rest of the sentence, you've just included all of them. So why would you ever then say trans woman again? In fact, why did you call them a trans woman? in the first place by your own logic algebra women are women and they are women therefore women are women are women so they're all women in which case why would you say the women win the MVPs the joke is you're actually making a cynical concession to Samuel's point there to try and win him over in some sort of fucked up way even though you know he doesn't agree with you and you don't agree with him like again these aren't real conversations guys that's why what makes those convos boring to me is I can tell five minutes in I'm not actually having a discussion abstractly about these principles I'm just talking to someone who wants to beat me with their points and then B get me to concentrate seed and that's not interesting to me you know we can have all sorts of great convos about it but as you can see these convos just shut it down the things they're saying mate that's exactly it well okay i didn't want to take too much time no, no, it's all right. it was an interesting topic but it is an interesting topic i mean it really is and it's important as well and uh, there's a documentary out there right now uh, what is a woman that's worth checking out in case you're uh, you're interested in the topic as well banger job on that one so uh worth a check all right in many let's ways, the question of our age <laughs> in many ways uh indeed uh, okay, so let's see. Uh, real quick, actually, I wanted to throw this yeah, in. I've got a random comment to throw in there. I'll just throw this okay. in there randomly because I saw actually on Twitter one of the big farrals was like Elon Musk made a tweet because you know nowadays he does yeah, like influencer uh, level shit. And his was something like the tweet was something like, you know, like. A, like the job of being a mother is no less important than any other one. No, no, I'd go further than that, Elon. It's by definition the most important job ever. And here's why. Because every other fucking job comes from a mother, you idiot. So A, to have really good people doing the others, you've got to have mothers. And then B, as the C.S. Lewis quote said, that's all that you had retweeted. The joke of the other jobs is, do you think people go to a factory and put like things on an assembly line because it's fun? They do it so that the woman at home can have a child and they can have an awesome family life and they can live a great life. The spoiler is family is wealth. That's not even some sort of cliche. It's true. So as a result, like that, that whole thing's like uh, people, the joke is that became the divide and conquer site because people were like, well, it is as important. Or like, it is. It's just working at home, like giving people fucking cereal and putting DVDs in. It isn't. It's Now, someone could do a bad job at it, obviously, but by definition, it's the most important job in the whole world so anyway oh. try and tell us we're anti-women fuck you you're anti-women you can't <laughs> just check my recent retweets if you want all right so um we actually had uh i love women i was i was even born from one i was born from one too i fancy that it's weird almost like all of us were uh australian esports actually i had this as the headline australian esports Re just interesting kind of throw in we'll there maybe in the dock in about 10 years facing our like lifetime in prison did you say you were born from a woman how dare you assume her gender as you were being born no we'll wind up in some of those australian camps yeah. that they're gonna open oh, there up. we go <laughs> <laughs> like nobody wants to go to australia anymore so good go figure why australia has fallen into a pit of despair when it comes to their hard you know they're getting hard reset right now in terms of esports basically because oh yeah yeah nobody's wanted to go there for the past two oh, years sad. camps they've had lockdowns it's just been a total disaster when it comes to covid and it, i don't know if they're coming out of it or not but it's brutal nobody's talking about those camps anymore by the way i don't know paid for and you get, they're gonna be used for something i guess we'll see but uh order has uh the team order that has actually been just like dominating and actually recently bought out the renegades roster and just been dominating over there this just popped up in my feed earlier because and it's, i'm interested in it because gomez that's where he wound up after the what? after uh, extreme, I don't know. Yeah, extreme, exactly. Yeah, I think that. he was in extreme with as well. Exactly. You know, after after his uh, the rosters that were working that didn't work out for him, he ended up going home. He was got there when the, when COVID kicked off, basically, and then I think he just landed here in order and was starting to get uh, 
uh, get things going as like the head of esports, um, like the same same position that Karn fills out at Fnatic, really, where he's just like the head of gaming or something. Um, it kind of it fell through. I heard the it, first thing he did was walk in, and he, they made a bunch of personnel changes. And what he did was he came in and he said, "You're out of order. You're out of order. You're out of order. This whole court's out of order, man." And then he won like an Oscar or something. Didn't he? I was, oh, sorry, that was Al Pacino in uh, and just his fraud. My bad. My, my mistake. I apologize. Uh, I references. <laughs> Three three and a half million dollars they raised, and they've already managed to burn through it all. It looks like they're up for they're up for sale. Uh, the the org order is up for sale apparently, so it's not like closed doors. The CEO's gone dark, and they've closed they've 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 closed doors, but it's not uh, it's not totally gone yet. Like they they're just up for sale, and it looks like they're trying to find new leadership and trying to find some new rounds. But the reason why this was interesting, not only for Gomez, but also just like. Australian esports in general, it was already rough, and there was that oh, drama around around how many teams were going to be able to um, qualify to RMRs from the Asia region, and you know Oceania, Australia is getting thrown into that region as well. But I mean, dude, that that it feels like that whole scene is just going to take a massive hit and have to go go through this deep rebuild phase now after Rona, you know, really kicked them in the dick because. They needed to be able to travel to be able to get around. They needed lands to be able to travel too, because otherwise you are just competing in Asia if you're out there. It's like South Africa when Copenhagen Games and ESWC shut down. That was pretty much it as far as like some of those scenes like South Africa, Australia, you know, where it's just like you have to fly to the event and compete there because there's no online. Oh, and remember, Samla, here's the thing people will forget. You know this. You know, back in like 2016, 2017, a load of players like the Drake and those guys from Epsilon and the guys who became heroic and like Valde and them, they used to, if you remember, when you made it to the top of tier two in Europe and the bottom of tier one, there would be lands in China that you would go to where you could win against like Tai Lu and you got like 50k for first place. Like, dude, here's another thing people don't think about with the Australians. There hasn't been a way to get into China these last few years. Like that's that's been like way off limits for coming in. Like it's not, you can't just frivolously... rock up in China anytime randomly the last three years so I've no doubt that scene is either just Chinese teams or there's just no access for the Australians and obviously famously they already had really bad internet left people don't know the way you can always explain to someone that they don't know how big the country of Australia is is they don't get similar that the internet isn't even good within Australia like you can't even live on the west and the east coast and play with good ping and routing like that's just inside their country guys so you can imagine if you take away from them a whole international land circuit and then a sort of regional land circuit what if they got left and then you add in jks is gone as i might go soon fucking dexter's over and like what they've got nothing we've let we have actually completely stripped mine that entire fucking scene and then we've just left them went off and they're like it's like the joke is they're back like this is like what it was like at 1.6 mate when they were just nobodies and if you saw australians in a tournament the joke is that was like having a walkover on your bracket was like oh they're gonna beat them who gives a fuck Who's going to be the next sponge, right? Because like Sponge he was the one who really stuck with it, brought the teams up and was competitive here in Europe. And he actually managed to earn his way into tournaments with that team. You know, it's like, who's going to be the next guy who's going to find a roster, build it up together, get them up and actually get them to LAN events where they can then compete and try and, you know, break through. Because it feels like they have to start all over again. That's that's the vibe that I get yes, watching. they do. Not even like just CSGO, but like Australian esports. It feels like they have to start over again almost in a way after these two years. They just, they got hit. They're some of the hardest to get hit by all of these lockdowns and what's happened in the past couple of years in terms of esports because man i mean you really just saw it all kind of shrink to north america shrink to europe and then everything else kind of just go into 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 the dark and you're right like australia is a fucking continent it's huge like you just go you know ping from one side to the other forget it it's brutal out there it's a hard place to to make it work 
So I just wanted to throw that in there and obviously make it aware that um, the, the because the news was like, oh, you know, order is, out, uh, order is out, order is done. But Gomez, he actually had a tweet longer that he put out there and he made it clear that uh, they were still open and that they were uh, looking for support. And so, I mean, if you want to be the guy to revitalize, uh, to make Australian esports great again, CSGO great again, you know, get out there and uh, see if you can get in touch with the order guys and see if there's anything uh, to go there. Because, I mean, Gomez is not a guy to to be trifled with in that sense. Like he is, he is, he is one of those guys who you could probably trust to build you a team and to make a system because he's actually got experience now for years in the CSGO scene and internationally as well, living internationally over in America and everywhere. So, I mean, feels like that would be a good bet to get behind him. I'm just curious to, to hear the backstory one day, if we ever are going to get the backstory in terms of like what actually happened, because you raised three and a half million dollars and you, and you, and you close a year later, or you, you, you put yourself up for sale a year later, it kind of makes you wonder like what, what was the, what was the game plan there? What happened uh, to to make it uh, fall through? So, yeah, just uh, just some quick thoughts there. I was uh, curious about it. Uh, we can move into um, the G two stuff because then we're going to talk about the RMR qualifiers, and then obviously we got to talk about Blast because Blast yeah, is be kicking off this week. But um, real quick, I mean, we already got a few jokes in, but it really is like the XS situation. He point so what he says is that essentially uh, when talked about uh, you know Alexi B and why Alexi B had to leave, it really was just like the, it sounded like there was just a conflict of visions that they just could not uh, rectify. Like Alexi was on a different page from everybody else. He had a more structured way, and almost it was almost like XS was saying like an out of date way of calling the game, of wanting to play the game, and XS wanted to have a bit more of a free and loose style to with how the approach was and it sounds like hooksy after a long interview process has a similar style in mind where he wants to give more freedom to the players for plays and less uh, less structure the way that alexi wants it so i mean it feels like this is it it's finally the end of this 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 speculation in terms of hooksy and jks and everybody joining g2 like this is the roster g2 have finally announced it so i mean i guess final thoughts on this g2 roster and what's what's going on with Xtaz before we go into uh into blast Here's the thing about even the way you said that there. This is where I almost... Like, if people don't know, one thing that sucks, basically, about working in esports is you can't turn your brain off and just look at things like a fan. You always know the things you know behind the scenes in the past track record. And so as a result, oftentimes, you're going to seem way more cynical than other people. So like, oh, why are you so jaded? Well, I've actually seen things you haven't. So if you'd experienced this thing 10 times in a row, you might think it was going to happen an 11th time. So even that statement, right, sounds great on the surface. In fact, it's actually what you'd want to hear if you were the players in G2 and the fans. Don't worry, the last IGL didn't fit the vision of the coach. Expressly, we're going to say the coach, not the star player. And because he didn't fit the style of the coach, good news. We've interviewed for a new in-game leader and he perfectly fits the style. Now, here's where my brain locks in again and I go, if I'm Hooksy walking into this interview, right... First thing, I'm going to go out of my way explicitly to make sure that Xtaz and whoever else is in the room understands is I'm the not Alexi B. You know everything you didn't like about XCB? Good news. I don't do any of that. You know all the stuff you wish LXCB would do? Yeah? Good news. That's my shit. Oh, what's that? You know what? thing about me is, I know, listen, guys, don't take too much from Copenhagen Flames. I wasn't working with a lot there. It was like old man Roy, who was just finished with his shift at the mill. I had fucking Jabby. I mean, he's now off fucking blowing tournaments with... Cadian, everyone's crying. He said, you know, I hadn't had a lot to work with, so I had to impose a lot of tactics. We had to, like, run a lot of extreme stuff. But here's the thing. I've always thought if I had a gene, just a genius of a man with a bread-shaped head, I'd just basically I'd give him freedom and let him do whatever he needs to do. And the other thing is, if his cousin was playing, well, you know, La Cosa Nostra, family is family, I'd obviously let his cousin do anything as well. Uh, i tell you what, though. I would, and he's sort of, like, cold reading them, but if there was, like, a 17-year-old Russian, I'd maybe make them... 
give him freedom as well. That's right. Yep, yep. He'd also have freedom. But yeah. then if I got like in Australia, I'd probably make him do the spot rolls. Did I? Did, did, did. I, I passed. Oh, good. Yes, well, that's just lucky because it just turns out we're on the same page. So, um, oh, that's exactly the amount I wanted offered in the contract. Tell you what, I can sign right now. You know what? I've I've got another interview, but I'm, I'm happy to sign now if you are. So we all, you know, like I may, I'm making a joke of it, but part of it almost is like that, isn't it? Like as I say, hang on the money. Dude. The problem is, it's not like this is just someone heard publicly they're getting rid of Alexi B. Well, there's been all this speculation for months about it. There've been all these interviews about it with Alexi B, with Nico, with Xnas, with with Carlos. So the joke is, anyone walking into that should know what they're walking into and should actually have a sense of what they're doing. With that said, though, I do actually think this is plausible. I do actually think. Now, I do think that the Alexi B thing's been driven way too far. Like, here's an angle that's going to blow your minds. Let's say Nico's telling the truth. Maybe Nico really doesn't ever explicitly say to Alexi B, I don't like the way you're calling. I think you're micromanaging too much or you're doing too much yourself in the round and you're not putting me in the position. Maybe he doesn't do that, right? But then maybe he just doesn't do that. Maybe he just, ele just lets Alexi B do hang in the wind and just goes, I'm not hanging your leader, bro. You can get him lead. You, yeah, no, no, you keep doing your style. That's what you want to do. For all you know, that's the case, right? And by the way, if you're Alexi B, if someone doesn't give you any feedback... You're just going to keep doing your shit, aren't you? Like, what, what's going to change? Because that's the problem, I think, with that team. It's like a lot of superstars in the game. I think the, re the way that they're toxic isn't they tell you to your face your shit. I think what they do is they just leave you like a worm on a fucking hook, twisted in the wind, and just hoping that you can read their fucking mind to give them exactly what they want. And if you can't, well, their cousin, their friend, and their owner will make sure that someone else does. But never them, of course. They're always not tainted by the Watergate scandal. You oh, know, associated, but not tainted. Like, the give me a break. Goes, though, I know, it's, it's so good. dirty. I think so. I sort of do think ultimately, like, here's the problem. If you're going to have Nico in your team, you do want a, a team that fits his style best. The coach is going to have to be involved because we've seen Nico wasn't the craziest winning personality ever. So you want the coach to run the team. And yes, you should definitely fit the coach's style. Now, what I find mad about this is, I, when I've listened to Alexi B comms, everyone goes like, he's just a micromanager all the time. I thought a lot of that was because he had pretty bad star players. He had super inexperienced star players with no line. He had Mantu, Issa and Flames are his best players. He's had guys. Like what it, he's not gonna, you can't just let those guys take over the game. They don't know how to. They're nobody's. So in those teams, I do think he micromanaged. I doubt he completely micromanaged Nico all the time. I do think if your team fails, this is a point that's a very key point. If tactics fail and people can't get on the same page, you are inherently going to have to micromanage them because they don't know what to do next. The reason those famous comms back in the days of the Fnatic guys were so amazing, and the reason why if you've ever have actually heard them, the Danish comms of Astralis are amazing, it's because they don't sound like they have to talk that much because the point is it's not breaking down. They all know what they're doing now they know what they're going to do next they all have got a shorthand of like this means like oh, 15 extra things that you don't know if you're not me and the other guy that have been a team together and part of that's why because those course of players played together years and years like half a decade Nico hasn't played with fucking Morrissey for very long Hunter hasn't played with fucking Alexi B like these are all brand new connections even the core of that team because the core didn't include the IGL I don't even think should be a core this was like a brand new lineup as far as I'm concerned there's only basically fucking Hunter and Nico have any connection like Jack Max didn't even look like he was used in the same role necessarily. Like, I thought the whole thing was a clusterfuck. So I'm willing to make this move because I don't think Huxley's better than Lexi B, but I certainly think the others didn't seem to fuck with Lexi B in the team and it wasn't working. So we can gamble on something else. Huxley seemed like a half-decent one. I will say, I think this puts actually a little bit more of the pressure on JKS, in my opinion, mate, because if you ever look at Huxley's stats, his stats are fucking appalling. And he definitely, in company yeah. of flames, I thought put himself in way too many scenarios where he had to frag. And he wasn't, he wasn't Carrigan, so he can't get away with that. I'm sorry. 
Alexi B is a way better fragger than this guy. So if you're going to take away any, I know he didn't have great stats, but he's Hooks is an even worse fragger. So if you're taking a bit of that way, the good news is I do think JKS is going to frag and way more consistently the Jacks. So I think that part evens up. But ultimately, you are going to come down to this is where I end. Ultimately, mate, win or lose, the team has to be about Nico being one of the best players in the world. If that is, if that condition is not met, the rest is all moot. Like we can make JKS, JKS from 2019. We can get fucking Hooksy going at the best that Copenhagen Flames have ever gone. We can bed Monacy in. We can get Hunter his role. But if Nico isn't amazing at the star player role, they're not going to be number one. They'll just be a good team. They'll be number five. They'll be number three. So I, I, the rest of the other factors, there's a lot of interesting stuff we're going to discuss. But ultimately, it does still come down to: will this be the team that makes Nico amazing again? So if if it's implied. This is the right IGL for this coach. I'm willing to try it. I think it's worth a shot. What are your thoughts on this move? There's tons of moving parts on this one. I, they're, they're, I mean, I'm over here just thinking, okay, would you... It's Nico gets a lot of flack, right? As in like, okay, he's this mastermind pulling the, pulling the strings behind the scenes. What if he isn't even doing it will, like knowingly? It's just that because he is operating in that sphere of the, I am the star, everybody's going to naturally get picked up in that gravity and try and tr stay awesome. with him. Because D2 have made it abundantly clear, at least from 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 the messaging and from how they've acted and just, you know, the mood of when G2 picked Nico up. It's like, this is going to be their star player. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to do whatever it takes. Kind of like Zywoo and Vitality vibes where they were just like, Zywoo's our star and we're going to do everything we can to get him trophies. It's the same way with Nico. So, I mean, that's why it's so easy to make these kinds of jokes. It's low-hanging fruit because, I mean, at the end of the day, it does feel like G2 and Nico are going to be inseparable. And from there, Hunter is kind of like you say, uh, in the family, you know, so you're not necessarily, you know, he's going to have a little bit more leeway perhaps than uh, than normal than any other player on the team would just because him and Nico, that's it. They're literally blood. So when the whole team is about building up on Nico, you're going to naturally align yourself with Nico at that point if you want to stay on the team and keep making that fat stack of cash because G2 is one of the wealthiest teams in the scene and they pay well. So, you know, you want to stay on G2. So you're naturally like it's not even necessary that G that Nico pull the strings like directly. He can he can literally just be indirectly having conversations around and everybody's reading the room on what Nico's saying that way. Or it's just the G2 management who are just going to be thinking like, how do we get the best out of Nico? And so it's. So maybe sometimes we're you know we're, we're we're giving Nico a bit of a rough time because you know maybe he isn't literally the one who's pulling the strings, but whether he likes it or not, he is going to have that influence on the team. I feel like watching from the outside, which is again why it's so easy to make these jokes because whether he likes it or not, I think that's what's happening now with the hooks. Also, there's the other th you sort of alluded to it there, but another reason why it's bullshit to do this angle summary is this. That's like saying by that logic, almost none of the mafia dons ever killed anyone. They're all innocent. They weren't the one that put the fucking Stanley knife oh, in your yeah. neck. Oh, that was the guy who they told to do that. Well, you haven't got me on. You haven't got me on tape saying it. Oh, come on, mate. Beggars belief. Like we all know that they were fucking doing that, don't we? Like that's the point. In here's the thing. In a court of law, Nico's lawyers are going to get him off everything. In the spirit of what might be going on, we can. I think everyone has a sense of what the and case will be. As you say, at a minimum, it's like it's like a fucking implication of being around him. It's an inference at a minimum, right? Yes, you know, you know his position in the team, and so that 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 position is um you know that that's how it's going to be built around it whether he's have he has a hand in anything or not you feel like okay he it's is like i always say because i love this saying from english we're going to keep building around him you know that saying we have in english that idiom that goes you know which way your bread is buttered oh yeah there you go that's what i always say about teams like the joke of someone like nico is it's never simple and zero they wouldn't yep. even have to be overtly toxic like everyone in that team as you say knows my job in this team is to play with this guy and have him with this guy like it's already inferred that you get all the attention so you don't need to demand it that's what being a superstar is sure no that's a, that that is definitely it i mean yanko's out there saying that 
people are not going to change. I feel like you know we. It's easy to make the jokes because they're there, but it's also there is a grain of truth to it. Otherwise, the jokes wouldn't land. Otherwise, the jokes wouldn't be funny. And so, tell you know, me, I like, said this in my it, videos, mate. I have spoken to Nico's teammates in multiple teams, and they have told me behind the scenes what he is like. So you can say publicly about your friend all you want, and you can defend it because you know it's like I say they defend it like a lawyer. They go show me the public evidence. I don't need to show you shit, motherfucker. I've talked to the people you know that I know, and they've told me the things that you know that I know that they know. So shut the fuck up. Listen, play defense for you, mate, all you like. Like I, I, one reason why I get why they do it is people do go too far with it. Like they did the same thing to Elise last year, Samler. So for years and years and years, I tried to make an explanation about Alicia's character. That's a very subtle one, which is that in Team Liquid, people thought Simple was the toxic one because Simple would just tell you straight to your face, fuck you, you are shit. Alicia, though, would just quietly not talk to you. And that was in his own way, kind of a fucked up way to punish you. He wouldn't tell you what was bothering him. He wouldn't say anything. He'd let you just fail. Nice. You... Yeah. And what, what the sad thing about that is similar. In, in in winning people over by explaining the narrative, there's then some people who then when Team Liquid was at their worst, were like, right, well, it was obviously Elise, he's the only one who was there the whole time. So he was the reason they choked all the time. He's the most toxic one. And it's like, now you've gone too far the other way. Because it's the same thing with Nico. It's like I said on past episodes. If everyone tells me Nico is only an egotistical maniac who was a loser who didn't deserve to win, then I'll have to be the one who's an eco defender because he is. He's a fucking one of the best players to ever play this game. His problem is, and this is why I will always say this, he can only play in international teams, which is very unlikely like all the other superstars. Simple can play with people who speak Russian or Ukrainian his entire life if he wants. Device never needed to play with anyone who spoke Swedish. These players, Cold Zero, could play with Brazilians forever. Nico does not have that option. And then also, he's played in some really bad teams early in his career, which I've no doubt skewed his personality and who he was as a player. And on the one hand, it crafted one of the craziest one-man carries of all time. But on the other hand, I imagine it probably fucked up some of his elements. Like, guess what? I wouldn't be very trusting of my teammates if every time I throw them the ball, they miss. I'll start just taking, like, Kobe Bright style. I'll just take the shot with three defenders on me. Like, I can make the shot. That's what happens when you've been in these bad teams. So some of it, by the way, also is like... You have to have people that he can trust. You have to create an environment that he can feel comfortable in. And even if he's got a little bit of baggage, he's a bit sensitive. That it's worth it to deal with Nico, though, isn't it? He's what he's worth it as a player. Yeah, the guy that we're going to find out whether or not he's worth it is, I think, Monacy. Like JKS, yeah, yeah. Sure, there's gonna be. He, I think JKS showed that he can be a versatile player and that he can get his job done. Right, he's got his role. Like, and he he's not gonna have to be a star in this team, which is key to I me. Mean, exactly. I don't think he needs to be a star, no. but he can definitely. We know that he can frag, and I think that he can be like a good support star, like a you know your second or third guy. But the one that I'm really watching now, and that's actually been you know some additional pressure has been put on, is Monacy. And Ekstaz himself, that interview ends with him saying, you know, it's like, we're going to be expecting more out of him, you know? And that's going to be really interesting considering, again, still not that much experience, playing internationally, living internationally as well, not playing from home. Uh, so no friends, family, all that. No, he's living he's living on the road with the G2 team. So there's a lot already that's that's happening outside of the server that sounds, you know, that's going to put a di that's going to make things um, even more difficult for him. But now it feels like they're really going to be turning to him to start getting results with that AWP. Dude, I'm not a fan of this. Oxy has got such abysmal stats if we can't count on hooksy because i think hooksy is, is going to be like a boomage i think they're going to chuck him through smokes chuck him around walls he's going to just play that entry space creating igl where he just throws himself in gets some info and then makes a call even though i don't think <laughs> even though i think uh uh, that it's not exactly the most effective way, but you know, if it works for G2, if, if, if it just means that they can have an IGL and hooksy fine, great. He can do that sort of thing. But, um, 
that is going to put a lot of pressure on guys like Monacy to, to step up and actually start getting some more results with that AWP because they can't rely on Hooksy. Like, Hooksy's not going to be that guy who's going to run around the corner and actually get a kill. He's going to run around the corner and probably die, and then you're going to be in a 4v5, and you're going to have to fight your way out. And so maybe that's the direction that Xstyles wants to take this team because he keeps mentioning it, how they want a more free free uh, freewheeling style. Like, he's almost going straight back to, like, OGL DLC French style or something like that where everybody's just going to be popping heads, and they're just going to be making individual plays all over the place, and that's actually what's going to win you tournaments is because guys are crazy with pistols and they keep having these upset rounds just on individual skill they're able to make it happen like Xdaz is reaching back into the OG French days to make it make the dream alive here with this team I just don't know if you can do that in Counter-Strike now like there's so much structure there's so much experience now with these teams they've, they've it feels like they've seen it all in a sense you know so to be able to just pop off individually and hard carry I don't think you can I don't think that's that's necessarily a winning strategy yet so I'm not sure if I'm on board with this change. I feel like it's kind of just it's it's the it's an attempt that you have to try because if it's you have to go the other way, I guess, right? Like you've tried the structured way. You brought on Alexi B. He plays a structured style that may or may not be out of the meta, but he plays a structured style. If that didn't work for six months, I guess they're going to be like, right? Well, that was the left side of the spectrum. Now we're going to go try the right side of the spectrum and just try and go freewheeling. Everybody shoots, you know, just click heads, run around corners, try and set up, you know, try to set up duels for everybody and like help everybody out. But we're going to play loose and see if that style works. So they're they're out there trying to find their identity right now. That's the issue with this G two team. It feels like they still just don't have an identity that you can you can get behind. You know, it's like it's it's uh, you think you certain teams are out there still you think navi you think structured you think that they've got a plan they've got those freaking notes on the table all of the players have got color-coded notes telling them exactly what they need to do each round you know that's a structured team when you think navi and then you have not you know you have simple popping off and winning rounds but that's just the icing on, on the cake that just helps so it feels like these guys you know it's like you look at g2 it's just like okay uh, is nico the superstar not sure is monacy the superstar not sure uh, is it a structured style is it a freewheeling style like what is going on with this team so that's that's what we need to see in the next six months like they need to show us what the identity of g2 is and, and i'm not sure if we're going to get that from xdaz or if we're going to get that from hooksy if hooksy's going to have the chops to be able to actually say like okay this is going to be our vision this is going to be our style this is how we're going to play as a team and this is how it's going to go i'm i'm not seeing it i'm a little skeptical but you know, we'll have to see for Carlos's sake, I guess, because you can't just keep spending money forever. This is why I personally, if you go back to the past episodes, I thought Alex was the one they should have actually joined, had joined the team. Because a, he's, we a, he's worked that. with Xstars, and B, his style is more default. And then T, he's actually a fragger. He can frag as an IGL. Like, this guy can actually get it done. So that's why, to me, I found that bizarre. Maybe they just don't want to spend the money to buy from that. Like, I don't know what the situation is on that one. Do Fnatic could have held out for a big, uh, a big buyout on Alex? I have no idea what they're doing with him, mate. The problem is nobody knows what Fnatic's doing. Spoiler, some people in Fnatic are literally friends of mine for over 10 years. When they ask me what players to sign and I give them a shortlist, none of the players on the shortlist get signed or the worst player does. I feel like in Flashpoint again, mate, like, I'm yeah. done with people like that. Don't ask me for advice if you're not going to fucking use it all. Don't tell me you have money if you're not going to spend it. You're just wasting my time. So my problem is that one. I think that was not a slam dunk to me to try the Alex one. I think good rehabilitated both sets of people. Then I've got this other problem, which I hate that take, which the take of like, we need to put more pressure on Monacy. Right. The reason you have to do that is your fault because you signed him to a team that you think was number two last year. It wasn't. It just was second at the major. That's all. You think they were number two. So you think number one's the only place we can go now. We have to go to the top. So you're telling me you signed a 16 year old Russian kid with no land experience. You paid $600,000. That's the kind of money that, by the way, you buy like device with. And yeah. then after all that, you go, well, you cost $600,000 and we need to be number one. So. Get cracking, BZ Woo. BZ Woo 2019, be the best player in the world. Go on, you've got X-Stars there, BZ Woo. 
That's the most ridiculous circumstances of all time. This guy, if you look where he is in his career, he's now 17. He's played a couple of big lands. He actually frags generally pretty well. He has a bunch of highlights. He actually doesn't look intimidated by people. He seems like on LAN he's fairly money. He's just a young guy in experience that he's got to have years to develop. There are, this is why I told you, sadly, simple and uh, sorry, people like Zewu and Bit have ruined it for all rookies forever now because now people have the most ridiculous expectations of what a rookie can do in a way that's totally fucking unacceptable, in my opinion. And I'd also say this. Contrast it with actually the peer group he has. So let's compare him with Amanek. That's who he replaced, right? Is he a better opener than Amanek? Of course he fucking is. Amanek wasn't winning you any of those games. He was getting his lunch eaten and he didn't even used to open the normal hot spots because he was a support opener. So already he's better than Amanek, so he's doing his job there. Then someone like Bit came in and was God tier. You can't expect that. And also, in that scenario, Bit's not even an AWP, he's a rifler. Like, you can have games that are off as a rifler. It doesn't, you don't get exposed like you do as an AWP. You have those games as an AWP and they drop you that expensive gun and you whiff and you get nothing. You look fucking shit and you're going to have massive scrutiny. Then finally, yes. I'd just say this. Extaz, really, homie? The man who coached Hyojin and Masuta is going to now try and tell me Monacy ain't living up to his role. Did you ever see those players play? Kyojin was never good for one second ever in tier one. And Misuta only got like, just, I'd say like slightly fair, above average. I, to be fair, I gotta, I gotta just go ahead and chime in real quick just to think. I don't think that he, he was saying like they're going to expect more from him in the future. I don't think that they were saying like they, he wasn't living up to expectations for now. Right. Just to, just to, yeah, just to. How much can you expect now? It's his first year. Yeah. This is the first year of LAN in his career. Like I yeah. said, the reason I picked those examples, Sam is because Kyojin was terrible his entire first year, and Masuta got to play online, and at the end of the online era, started to show some promise, and then went to LAN, and funny enough, got rejected himself, and as a result, didn't really make it that often. He would, he would very rarely have big games. Now, true, they're not playing awful, that's true. But even so, like these players, you were fine with those guys tanking. You know why, Stas? Because you had that Zewu guy balancing it out so you know what get on your fucking breadhead now get Nico get him fucking putting the numbers up and then Monacy will have all the time you need to develop because the stupidest thing about this to me is this the reason why him saying I expect more the problem with that statement is this similar or what or else well, that's the implication. When you make that statement, I expect more, there is by definition built, baked into that, what will happen to me if I don't give more? So what I'm saying is this, Semler, he doesn't have to give more. He's tracking perfectly for where someone should be at, at that level. I'd even say slightly more. I actually expected, by the way, him to have one land where he just blows it completely like all young players do. Hasn't even happened, by the way, so far. He's had matches that weren't good, but lands generally, he's pretty pretty good most of the time. So I don't get this, mate. Like I say, I have the eye test of watching him. and I think he's tracking perfectly fine for his age, experience level. I do think he has been thrown in the deep end and put in a team that's way too good, but that's also because they had to gamble. Remember, in this scenario, they couldn't... I mean, Carlos literally told you guys this publicly. He quite literally tried to sign... He had did sign Nico. He tried to sign Simple, and he tried to sign Zewu. If none of them are available, then why not gamble on the next Simple or Nico, which is the logic we want to see. But here's the key thing I want to say, and it's my final point. If he's the next one, then he isn't it yet, is he? So give him time. The whole point of Monacy should be this, in my opinion. It's the wrong philosophy. The dream of Monacy is this, Semler. He can't be the best player in the world now, but you don't need to because he got Nico. So what you do is you do the Shaq Corby move. You want to have this guy be the best sidekick initially, then become as good, and when they're both as good in a year, two years from now, now you win everything. And then after that, this is the genius of this move. If you're very, very carefully handle this, and it's actually what the Lakers, to some degree, fucked up. You want it to be that when Nico starts to drop off, you still have him then as like a side piece 
piece in the game, still winning, but now Monis is your main carry. And then eventually, when you're done with Nico, he can transition out and the team is still number one because you still got Monis and you bring in another rifler. And that's how you run it. Because in this game, you've got to always be careful with your stars. You've got to keep the right star for as long as you can. As, by the way, people like Team Liquid have learned with twists. So that's the move for me. I think this whole thing, like the Monis one for me is the distraction. It's everyone else in the team has problems except Monis and Hunter, in my opinion. But that's just how I see it. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I actually tracks pretty well. I mean, that's that's like the expectations coming in. Everybody was just like, oh my God, he's going to take over. It's like, he's you have to keep things in perspective. Up to that point, Monesi was playing in We Play Academy League where he's playing against tier two, tier three teams, yep. right? He's totally crushing. But also keep in mind that whole Navi roster was built around him. It's like Kenny on Titans back in the day where it's yep. just like literally everything is built around making Monesi shine because the whole business model for that team is to find... They sold like him for $600,000. I've looked exactly. made a killing. Yeah. You, you, you either bring him onto the main roster or you sell him for a massive profit, which then finances your next round of finding talent and it just keeps the machine going. So the the whole the, the, there was an acceptable drop off in terms of performance going from we play academy up to tier one and there wasn't even that crazy a drop off I mean the kid in the last six months has averaged one point one two rating and most of that has been land and some of the biggest highest pressure lands as well so I, I, you're yeah there we go by the way had a wash y'all tell me fucking fallen's Compton Orpers go show me his stats compared to Morrissey <laughs> both, both land Orpers right go and show me them go on go on have a yeah, look yeah. or or here's another one how about we compare Farley's stats to Monty right both primary orpers in tier one land teams now which ones should have a better orper guys the australis core or g2 g2's orper fucking smoke farley what are you talking about that's why i say you know it's how i intentionally put like contrasts currently and like for their role in the past team like that's to me this whole thing's a storm and a teacup i don't know essentially the, the main complaint people have is he's not zewu spoiler no one is yeah there's only what do you want what do you want <laughs> Uh, that is that that one mystifies me. Astralis are having a bit of a I do rough think time. this team should be good though. Like I don't Hoxie doesn't even have to be better than XCB. The main thing is does Nico get his shit together and does JKS do a better job than Jax? If so, I think G2 does become like a second or third best team and they can contend for the top. Okay, this is the I'm other thing. People far. think because of how bad the team was earlier this year that like, they can't be number one. Of course they can. Of course they can. I mean, they can be number one. I just don't see it happening right now. I think that phase are just way too powerful and Navi was simple, I think, are too powerful as well. Even for even for the moves that G2 have made. I don't think that these moves are sufficient to take a, to take a G2 or a Navi in a, in a grand final right now. I feel like well, the problem with that is that's if Simple just maintains. We don't know because here's the thing. Simple right now is also, here's another quote for you. He's reminding me of that classic quote from the end of the movie Juice. That's right, that 90s African-American classic which starred Tupac as the character Bishop. And famously, he goes, someone says, Bishop, you're crazy. And he goes, you know what? Last time you said that, I was kind of tripping, right? But now... You're right. I am crazy. And you know what else? I don't give a fuck. That's apparently simple now. So I guess if that's who simple is, then who the fuck knows what's going to happen to Navi, right? Who knows what happens next? Holy shit. Uh, if he's down in Dubai, maybe he's having a good time. You know, that's what we have to tell ourselves. All right. Um, well, the case, he's probably there. Like in, in many ways, Semley. He's in the heart of Blast Country. What are you talking about? There you go. He's already just he waiting. He's waiting to win the Yeah, exactly. By the way, did you like my joke the other day where there was one of those things where, because obviously the event's in Rio again, ESL was using that logic of like road to Rio, and then it said Middle Eastern qualifier, and I was like, this is too perfect, because one day the tournament circuit for ESL will just be road to the Middle East, won't it? That's weird. Like, <laughs> 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 some sort of fucked up reverse Silk Road. I know it's better than that. 
Dude, it's it's just going to go back the other way. And I mean, dude, I, I'm just waiting for it. And obviously not talking about the good Silk Road there. Let's get this major. I'm just waiting for the Abu Dhabi major next year, dude. Seriously. Like ah, it'll be on the horizon, of course, as we discussed in the past episode. The China Dhabi. and Middle East is where CS is gonna be from now on. Just get used yeah. to it. By the way, not America, so sadly. Oh, and what's up? What, dude, I don't I don't know what's uh we like I don't follow Valorant news at all, pretty much. But this just popped up in my feed the other day, where uh, apparently the next um, the next big tournament for them or whatever is going to be in Istanbul, in Turkey. Okay. So like, okay, then that's wasn't expecting that, and out of nowhere, and now you're going to go down to to Turkey to Istanbul, and you're going to start uh, having big events there as well. So if maybe this is just the direction that esports is going to go, is that you're just going to start seeing that shift, you know, over towards uh, the Middle East and getting more involved over there. Um. <laughs> Nobody, yeah, I don't know. Can't expect uh, anything, uh, anything spicy there. Uh, there's a, there's a, I mean, there's a note here that you wanted to talk about, perhaps on the Source Two side of things. I mean, this is something. I'll give you a quick uh, thought on it. Uh, I don't think that Source Two is going to happen anytime soon because I still feel like Valve. There's no reason for them to kill the Golden Goose because they are they are printing so much money with CS:GO as it is now with the with the skin market. They're making money hand over fist, and so. I don't feel like there's any reason at all for them to mess with that potentially because there's just so many things that could go wrong with the port from CS:GO to see it to to CS uh, or to, to Source Two, and you could have literally it could be as big a change as going from like 1.6 to Source or from Source to CS:GO. It could be a completely different game. You have you you still don't know what sort what CS:GO would feel like if you put it in the Source Two engine. And the other point that I wanted to bring up on it is just because I like to have these stats up. I used to be able to used to be able to see the stats based off of region as well in terms of player player base for Counter Strike how many people were playing, but also you could see the servers and the server load for matchmaking like regionally, which was super sick to have that kind of information. Unfortunately, a few months back, that got taken down, not able to get that info anymore, but we can still get the la the, the the average, you know, player base for Counter-Strike. And I would expect a big move like that to happen if there was a big dip in, in player interest. Like if there was a big dip and we just saw it drop off a cliff and people just weren't playing Counter-Strike anymore, but like we're on a steady uptick. Player base, average player base right now, month after month, is just steadily creeping back up again. There was that dip when people started to go back to work after COVID, you know, because COVID was obviously like the big peaks, 800,000 peak concurrent, holy shit, you know, because like everybody was at home working, basically just playing matchmaking during the day, you know, having a good time. But now everybody's going back to the office. They're going back to work. They can't do that anymore. And so you've you've seen like an appropriate dip in just the peak players. And you've just seen an appropriate dip, you know, in general, in terms of like the average player base on a month to month. But like that average player base, it dipped down to like 500,000, 600,000. But we're, we're getting back up to 600,000 and up again. So like I don't see the dip where you would need to necessarily do a massive change, put a lot of risk on the table. Because we're not seeing a dip in player base, which is eventually, which is essentially like what pays the bills for Valve. So, like, what what do you think about this Source Two thing? I I feel like it's just people who are bored and they're just like, oh, Source Two, give us Source Two. They don't. I don't think it's actually worth the risk for Valve right now to do something like that. The problem is one of the things I hate about CS:GO as a community is Valve quite literally for half a decade barely communicated with people, and you would even have top pros send them like impassioned letters, and they would not only not reply. Sometimes they even got offended and like low-key punished those pros or were rude to them. And like I thought some of this stuff was actually outrageous if you consider how much how many billions Valve have made off the esports side of the game that I think they cynically farmed out to a third-party developer, Hidden Entertainment, and that's why it's called CS:GO, and that's why they might now rebrand to count. 
Counter-Strike because they didn't want to put the Counter-Strike label onto a game that they were just going to make a, a quick buck off in 2012 off the name Counter-Strike and then probably circle back three years later and make Counter-Strike 2. They just got, it just so happened, they tripped over and CS got massive, just like it used to be. And then suddenly they had to backdoor and like, no, no, this is the real CS now. Even though Joe Miller and the rest of them were saying, it's not going to be a sequel or a replacement. It's just another game of the franchise. And then ESL famously did the same move themselves. ESL put took CS out of the Intel Extreme Masters, put it into the the ESL Major series, which was the bitch-made second-tier product, but then it got too big, and eventually they had to rename it ESL 1 and pretend it was as big as IEM. Also, by the way, they were actually placating Riot, if you don't know, in League of Legends at the time, because that was one of their big money makers. So to bring it all back, here's the issue overall, basically, is in esports, Valve does now communicate with the community, but through probably the most annoying possible vehicle, which is the biggest shithead clout chaser toss bots in the whole scene who are like semi-anonymous uh, some of them have connect some of them have connections to valve for real some of the biggest dickheads in the whole scene or, or just all they do is Twitter clout. They have connections to Valve and they know some of the rumours. More than people who are legit in the scene, by the way. So here's the thing. Those rumours are coming from them. As a result, always a mixed bag. You don't know where to believe it. Famously, the fishiest dude back at 2018 at Face London Major implied something similar that like there was a new version of Source coming or CS2 or something. Obviously, it didn't happen back then, which is why people are a bit more sceptical. The issue now is this. The rumour, and it was mainly addressed on this new podcast that Jason... So Moses, Sponge and Yanko are doing where they talk about this. The rumours behind the scenes, similar basically are this, that Source 2, it's more the engine than it's CS Go 2. As in, it's just they would make a gra an engine upgrade, which would have some graphical elements. And the implication I'm getting, similar is that it's not the same as like rehauling the whole game and relaunching a new version of Counter-Strike. I'm getting the vibe from what they're saying. In fact, this is explicitly what they're saying, that like this might just be like make CS a bit more like, you know, bells and whistles and a little bit flashier so it looks better and allows you to do things like port over the skins so that the skins remain and the skin market remains because obviously that is as you say the oh, golden goose should be they could potentially risk the skin market that's what's yeah, making you'd be a fool to no way that they do anything that risks the skin market but sadly people have done things like this in the past of esports and killed their own game so it's not impossible but I, I do also think they wouldn't so that's why to me it's not as big an update as people make out which the problem then becomes if it's not as big an update then why is it such a big deal right that's the issue if there's a new version of Counter-Strike it is a big deal but here's what I would say one as far as I can tell the skins angle is being taken care of which I think is essential in fact I think it's the most important angle two the implication actually is this is all going to happen very soon like it was even implied it might happen before the major it might happen during the major it might happen immediately after the major oh. That's that the would be Val's way. That is yeah. the verb way of, yeah. Release essentially what could potentially be a, a game-altering update uh, that uh, could change the movement or how you aim or all these things that could completely destroy a player's ability to perform. And uh, we'll, we'll do it right before the major. Never forget, Valve literally, before a major, introduced a map randomizer, two maps no one had ever played, and Nip won the major using okay, one of those maps. Say, like, Nip never forget. Like, <laughs> they got the like, major as far as I'm concerned, that may as well be like, that may as well be like fucking... Like, Valve is like Biff from Back to the Future too. then. You just fucked with the timeline completely for some fucked up reason I don't really understand. Like, okay. I mean, you can't know an NIP would be the beneficiary, but you definitely affected that tournament. If that was on the normal maps, I think it's actually functionally impossible for Nip to win that tournament. I think it would maybe be like top eight best. So I thought that yeah. was wild. So they have, as you say, there is a precedent for this. And then the last thing I would say is this, and this is the angle I'd push back on what you said there. I agree with you. I think Counter-Strike should be treated as though it's a game that exists in its own universe only. And you don't know that legal Legends exist. You don't, don't you? you make decisions that make sense for Counter Strike. But here's the problem, Samla. Sadly, 
game developers aren't like that. And these yeah. are some of the most fragile people mentally and in terms of like sensitivity and whether they feel wanted and needed. So here's what I think. I think that the reason also why you do this move is a direct pushback against Valorant because Valorant has had its time. It's had its push. It's, it's, it's actually, if anything, probably peaking right now. Now's the time. You've had the CSGO majors, which have been great to bring CS back and level it and show it's got its own game. If you bring out like something that seems like CS is the new game, because remember, early on with a graphical update, you'll get those dickheads like the Shrouds of the World will rush back and stream CS for the first week and get all the viewership and the numbers will be crazy and it'll be like 2 million people watching live when you're on the Twitch Discovery for CSGO, etc. They'll do that like everyone does. Ninja will play it for a few days or whatever. Oh, this game's not too bad. Like, So that's the other reason I think they might do it is just part of the game wars, as it were. Well, you know, that's the thing. They have a track record of, um, well, they, they, they have just that. The track record uh, for Valve is just that they, 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 they care. They don't, it's like, I just want to say, like, they just don't care what's about it? esports. Off the top of my head, it, wasn't, it, that it, even, wasn't that even the timing? Didn't they make it like go free to play around the time Valorant was coming out or something? I think it was, I think it was the time it was like fairly similar on that. Was it that? Was I can't remember that timeline if that was, uh, if that was how it lined up or not. Um, they did do the free to play model. I mean, it's it's just like over time. It's just they're taking these steps. But um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, like as far as Valve are concerned, like esports is fine and dandy. But the real the real thing that makes the money is the casual player base. Is the people who are just playing, who are showing up, playing, wanting getting skins. They buy they buy keys. They unlock cases. That's the who's actually making. And so when you say uh, you know like that, pro players have written Valve in the past, and really you know like Valve used to have interviews with the players at the majors and take time to talk to the players, and they would get the feedback. But the majority of the time, they're taking that kind of feedback, and maybe there's something that they're going to run with. But the majority of the time, they're just like, okay, that's interesting. That's like the the competitive side of things, but we're catering for like the ninety nine point nine percent, which are not competitive and who just want to play the game today more than ever. Right? Once upon a time, I feel like two thousand thirteen, two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen, when the game first came out, like it was really the majority of the audience was was hardcore. Like they watched esports, you played Counter Strike Go because you wanted to watch, you wanted to be competitive, and there was definitely more of a one to one kind of relationship between viewer numbers and actual player base. But like today, I feel like it's grown. The game has grown so much that. Valve are thinking about how to make the game more easily accessible for the average player. They're not necessarily thinking about how to make the game as competitive or as cutthroat as it could be. I mean, the, the economy change is, is in and of itself is just a perfect example of that, how they just want to make things more forgiving and take it away from what it used to be, which was a bit more competitive, right? So yeah, I, wouldn't surprised, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a big change right before a big tournament, because for them, there's like, ah, whatever, you know, it's just like, it'll make things more interesting. It'll spice things up. <laughs> you know they, that could literally be them it's just like oh source 2 before the major we're going to break viewer records they don't care about who's winning they don't care about like who's actually going to be is this a good representation of who is the best at the game at the time they could very well couch it and I've heard devs use this argument in the past where it's just like well you know being a, being able to adapt on the fly is also a quality that a pro must have you know and, and they could use that kind of our logic and, and just say like yeah we'll make a big change and you know the, let the best team win and there you go that could that, that could very well happen as well so I wouldn't be shocked if Valve made that kind of play again and just said, okay, fuck it, we're going to go for it. But personally, like, I don't think right now, if I don't, like, they could do it, but I'm going to come back to my original point, which is I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think that, like, in terms of player base, I don't think that there's any reason to fuck with it. And I still feel like the risking the skin market, it's such a big risk that I don't feel like you take that risk unless you absolutely have to if you're Valve, because CSGO is spaghetti code. It's a total disaster. So, you know, messing with that in any way is really is really risky stuff and I, I just don't see it 
Here's the problem. One, it's rich that Valve would ever say, like, you've got to adapt to the times. Like, oh, you mean like when you guys would never have banned anyone ever for match fixing if Richard Lewis didn't force your hand and you've banned zero people since? Fuck off. You just actually sling your fucking hook. You haven't adapted that whatsoever. You just, the way you adapted is you built a second wing onto your mansion. That's your version of adapting. Oh, I'm going to have to put another pool in, I guess. That's you fucking adapting to the harsh environment CS Goals brought you. And then secondly, as you say there, half the problem is like I said earlier, Semler, if this was a game that Valve had created in the first place and they understood the principles that made Counter-Strike a great eSport and then they made a new version called CSGO, then I'd be interested in their thoughts. They didn't invent Counter-Strike. They didn't make Counter-Strike. They didn't invent any of the good things about Counter-Strike. All they did is pay someone else cynically to make a port of it, which means it's not even your code and it's not your programmers working with it. That's already a nightmare in most projects that people don't know because famously, people who are programmers do just use little band spaghetti horde fixes they don't put in the fucking famously they don't put in all the like notes next to their code saying what it does they just assume like well I don't know what it does so I'll fix it next time and then even sometimes the programmer himself can't remember when he goes back to that part so as you know if you know like the history of League of Legends why League of Legends the game is not a very great tech wise game and it has loads of bugs and flaws and things that break because it was, wasn't intended to be a top esport like 15 years later like this is the game's been going for too long so yeah the problem I have is I, it's not like they could make the game better anyways what the fuck does Valve know about what makes Counter-Strike great? They, they aren't Goose, man. They didn't make the game. They didn't develop it. They didn't make the fucking map pool for the circuit. They didn't make the tournament format. They didn't even in, they didn't even invent, I'll stress this because fans don't get this. Valve didn't invent fifth, Max Rounds 15. They didn't invent 5v5. They didn't invent Max Rounds as an economy system. These things are all invented separately. So like, I've, I've, I've always thought personally, I don't know what the fuck Valve are taking credit for. Like, yeah, you, you let us buy the game off you. That's about it. So I don't think they can fix it. That's why if you notice my position, to go back to what you said about Source 2 as well, is every time the game's good, I just want Valve to let it go. Just just let us play a good game, please. Please don't break it further. That's what I think. Like, every time I hear they're doing an upgrade, it sounds to me like, I'm helping. Like, oh, God, great. You should break it further, <laughs> exactly. <aren't you? laughs> Wouldn't that just be the world where it's like, oh, actually just let the game stabilize for like a solid year without touching anything. And let's just see, you know, oh, something seems imbalanced right now. Not like let the pros figure it out because the pros will adapt around it they'll figure ways to counter it and then you see the game progress you don't necessarily need to go fucking with things uh every day yeah but okay um as always, tons of topics to dive into here on Revenge of By the Numbers. Now, of course, our, our sponsor, Esports Bet, if you're someone who likes to bet and you have yet to take advantage of their offer, they have a deposit bonus. If you use our referral link below, you can get a 50% deposit bonus on up to 200 US dollars on your crypto. And if you do, you'll also get a bonus of DJT of 50x, however much you put in. So if you were to put in 100 US dollars, you would get 5,000 DJT to play in the World's Prediction Series 2 competition potentially win hundreds of thousands of dollars of usdt there's a couple more things that i wanted to get to uh i am um the iam qualifiers have kicked off or i am the road to rio major qualifiers have kicked off and just a couple of points that i wanted to bring up because i mean these have actually been pretty uh, competitive a avangar is just shitting on all swedish hopes and dreams because you had the team get right forest you know freiburg the, the they reunited they were in the qualifier they were doing well and then avangar beat them and then in the next round, actually, maybe not the, the exact next round, but in a following round, Avangar then took out eyeballers. So that's the Swedish hopes and dreams for this qualifier just dashed to pieces by a single team. Avangar just shitting all over him. So you hate to see it, but there's more qualifiers. So maybe the, maybe we'll see Forrest and the lads get back at it and, uh, and they can do some work. Swedish CS, you know, needs a, needs a revival. Uh, the other one is that Astralis got taken out. 
So uh, I don't know if you saw that uh, that yeah. bit of news, but uh, Astralis not making the cut get take out by, taken out by Aurora Gaming, which um, there's a couple of players people might know from there. They're not total unknowns. No, no, but I mean, it's still Astralis. Like it's yeah, Astralis should not be a team that's getting taken out. No, it, but here's the problem. Like. These 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 best of one scenarios and these open qualifiers can be like if you're online and a team is feeling it. You can definitely lose in this sort of scenario, and Astralis are the victims this time. This is the problem. So what I did is I purposely let you name all those names so that I could do this. So let's just count some names out here. Glaive, we're going to go with Blame F, one of the best players in the world right now. So greatest IGL of all time, one of the best riflers in the world right now. We've got Forrest there, who everyone was saying can still play at Tier 1. We've got... Um, let me see. Who else? Well, Fnatic didn't make it, so that's Crims out of the picture. Yeah, we've got Flasher. JW, right? Here's the problem, guys. This is why it was so incredibly unfair that for all these last years, everyone kept saying about my mate MSL, how could he be a tier one IGL if he fails in these open qualifiers? I'm sorry, Glyph just failed, guys. You just told me he's the GOAT and that he's still active now. Remember, he was top four AM clone like what, a month ago? And he just failed this qualifier. Then we have Forrest. You guys say he can still play at tier one. He's not even in the rest of the RMR. What about JW and Flusher? Flusher's supposed to be one of the greatest minds ever. Failed the qual- Spoiler, everyone can fail these qualifiers. By the way, this is why it's so key when you get into a top team that you don't go and make a new org because you have to start from square one. You get no ranking points. You get no invites. You start from zero and you start in round one of one of these qualifiers. You play against a bunch of randoms who might be cheating. They might be all on land ghosting. They might have a, remember this is a topic from last week they might have their coach talking while your coach can't talk because you guys are streaming you know what I mean like there's so many angles then add in as well if people don't know the way that people like back in 2015 it was the GG play guys from Bulgaria then in later years it was CIS teams like a Vanguard Avertus Pro the reason these teams became notorious before they became land teams is you would face them in like round three of an upper bracket open qualifier and they would just dust you off in the BO1 because the other thing all pros hate Semler is that because we allow so many people to compete which I think is just functionally stupid to treat like the, these teams we're talking about, like they're the same as a mix that me and you could make and enter. Because sure. they do that, there's too many games to run. You wouldn't have time to run a double a lane, best of three bracket. So what you do is you cynically run the first rounds as BO1 and you just hope everyone who's good survives that fucking like minefield. And if they yeah. survive, then they get to play real Counter-Strike with some proper series and time and you know who you're playing and you have a couple of hours off. But that first part of the tournament is so ridiculous. It's like, what do you expect? So I think people have gone way too harsh. Like I have a really hard time standing when I look at these failures saying that's just because the team's not good enough. I know obviously that's what or by the numbers has been done in the past as well. But I always think like these online qualifiers, there's so much variance gets included there. I think it, I think it makes a lot of the especially when it's then a BO1. I mean, that's not even Counter-Strike. Remember, when you watch a top team play Counter-Strike, you aren't watching them just frag out. It's not a DM. What you're watching is they know their opponent, they have scouted their opponent, they have a coach, they have watched demos, they are comparing their tactics playbook to our tactics playbook, they are looking for niches, like our opera can get an edge here. You're not doing any of that when you play a random BO1 against an opponent you don't know that you didn't know two hours ago you were playing, and you're just in the map now playing Mirage against them. That is just like, you, you may as well be in a fucking matchmaking game. Spoiler, I mean, here's a random question I'll ask fans. Let me see if fans think this is real. If, do you think if I put together the real five-man lineup of Na'Vi and I had them stream for one day and just play matchmaking 5v5, their stack against whoever they're matched against, would they ever lose in a day? I'll tell you right now, they would. They would absolutely at least lose one map. 
It doesn't matter who they're playing. They could be playing nobodies because that's just the way the game works. Like, it, this isn't chess. You can't just be Magnus Carlsen and just win every time because you're superior and you're rating level. That Counter-Strike isn't that game. There's so much variance anyway. I always used to say this, dude. The amazing thing about Counter-Strike is how consistent it is. Remember, in Counter-Strike, think of how you play the game, right? If you run around the corner and a flash goes off half a second too early, fucks the whole round. If you go around a corner and you look right and the guy's hiding to your left, he kills you instantly. Despite these random elements, the game's fairly consistent. Rounds play out the way we expect. T-sides play out the way we expect. People can understand what positions to be in. But that's because at Tier 1, it's a small sample size and we're all playing against other top pros. If you just put in everyone in the world who plays Counter-Strike, the game becomes too random, in my opinion. It, like You can't guarantee. Because, as I'm saying, if you were to put Na'Vi in round one of all of these open qualifiers, there's a world where they might not qualify. It could happen. I mean, the Yakuma guys cheated last year and beat them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, it's uh, what you're talking like. What what that what that is is uh, how the meta evolves around tier one and how it's going to get recycled as well. Like certain ways, you're 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 when all of your opponents play a certain way, that's what you, you you get accustomed to playing in that fashion, and then you try and play somebody else, say like a tier two. That's why you can see teams just get blown up in tier two or tier three tournaments, is because they're dropping down to a place they have no idea what the current meta is, and you still have guys who can click heads, and anything is possible. Exactly like you say. You remember uh, this? We've been there at these tournaments. This happens even in the lands circuit you remember what would happen what there was always that really weird spot fully enough it was like msl's teams there would be teams that if they went to the real tier one line like iem cologne they'd have like a crack at top eight or top four so then they'd go next tournament to like a dreamhack open and you'd be like well they're gonna win it easily and they'd come like third you remember when these things would happen? Because th what, you, what you're what you assuming there is because they're like this good in tier one, like in tier two, they'd be, no, you don't know. Maybe it's the wrong set of opponents you played in tier two. You know what I mean? Like I remember Fury and people like Gambit and stuff falling down and not winning Dreamhack Opens. Meanwhile, they were like in the mix in the big tier one. So if that on LAN, you can imagine when you open up to the whole internet, what happens? Ugh. And right. then, then add in one last detail. God forbid you run into an opponent that you've never heard of, Semla, and they actually are just the next team. Maybe they're the next Gambit youngsters, and you don't know in a year from now they'll be good. You think they're nobody's in your second round match. They're going to beat you. You're going to look like a fool, and no one will even remember this match when they become famous next year. Trying to figure out again who was on Honoris. Oh, Honoris is Taz. That was Neo and Taz's team. Yeah, that was a Neo and Taz's team. And I'm just going through some other results. Uh, I, I mean, mean, people have to realize they were washed in fucking 2017. It's now 2022. Sure, sure, sure. What do you expect on that one? You know? yeah, but, uh, dude, they went 1917 against Team Falcons, which is uh, Misuda and NBK's team. And then Misuda and NBK, I mean, they're in the last round here. They managed to make a pass opening in Flames. They took Fnatic out in a best of one, 16-14. And then uh, they took OG out 2-1. So it's like credit to NBK's team. Like holy shit! Like that's a, that's not bad. You're taking out some some of the teams that you you again would expect to make it deep in these kinds of qualifiers, and you're actually doing it on a team that you recently joined as well. So uh, good on uh, good on NBK and the lads. They're going up against Aurora Gaming next. Uh, and who's on Aurora? Yeah, that's it. Exactly. It's the guys who actually took out Astralis. So <laughs> wild. OG aren't done yet though. They're still in the lower bracket, so there's still a chance for OG to make it through on this one. There's also another three qualifiers, guys. So it's you know it's like we're we're pointing out that Astralis haven't made the run this time around. There's still another three chances for them to make it into the uh, into the European RMRs. So there's another three qualifiers that are going to go down, and and so there's still opportunities. It's just interesting to see how how bloody cutthroat some of these best of ones are in the online space, and just how how it can go against you, even if you are a team with amazing resources like Astralis. This is why, unfortunately, the online era has made it even more unfair for Europeans because the European RMR, to even get in is a bloodbath. Then when you get in, it's, so, it's almost like a mini-major itself. Then you go and you look at those other regions, and man, the idea, like we had that conversation a few back about the Oceanic one, like, 
How are you even asking for more for fuck's sake? You're already getting an easy ride there. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like you're you're getting uh, it's it's like charity or something. You know, we're yeah, spots. Uh, because when it's when when it comes time to actually do it the major, I mean the the thing is like obviously if I'm proven wrong, terrific in that sense because then okay yeah if there's a if there's an Asian team that comes out and all of a sudden they are they're they are able to actually take it to the European teams the CIS teams and win oh well, okay then that's that's interesting that'll be a new development but as it stands and how it's been for years it's just like that's just not the case it's still one of those spots where once they get to the big time and actually get to the big show they usually go out first round and. And that's just it. So you could have potentially had another CIS team in there, another European team, a more competitive team, and not given up that spot just for the sake of giving opportunities to other teams where you're hoping to develop the develop the scenes there, right? Um, well, I think we do actually, let me see, I'm just keeping a tabs on time. We should probably actually start zeroing in a little bit on uh, Blast and right. some of these roster changes because uh, uh, that is obviously like the big tournament that's kicking off this week. Everybody's looking at it. I mean... I'm already a little sad just because of this simple news that's coming out because I was really hoping that we would have some kind of uh, uh, going deep sort of rematch sort of scenario or at least to get to see them dominate their group. But um, now it's actually going to make Group B way more sketch if Simple isn't going to be in it because that's G2, that's Liquid, that's Complexity, and that's Navi. I mean, Navi got Complexity right off the bat, which even without Simple, it should be a team that they can handle. But oh, then now you're going to go against G2 or Liquid. Like, that's that's going to be a really weird upper bracket final. Uh, already for uh, for Navi. So, I mean, kind of skipping ahead here, but yeah, let's just talk about Group B right off the bat. Like, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. Navi take out complexity, so they're going to be in the upper bracket final. I think that that you kind of have to take. But G2 Here's Liquid... the discussion about that, because the only thing to say about that is this is how bad a situation complexity is in. Sure. Even taking the best player in the world out of the other team doesn't in any way make me conceive of a way you can win this game. No. That means your team fucked up. Like... True, yeah, I mean, Navi has amazing firepower in the, in the in the West. You know, like that's uh, you can't really you can't. I mean, you know, he's got the pit vipers, he's got the mullet, he's 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 got the look, but uh, I don't think he has the op. I don't think he has the op to go up against a, a team like Navi. No, the problem with that team as well is it's just busted. Like it just never worked. It, it never worked from the beginning. And it hasn't worked since. Even though on paper it still looks like this potential, it, it's never manifested in the surface. So, yeah, that was a loss already. But that's the thing, though, Sam. Like, I go the other way on this one. I actually think Navi's locked out. They managed to get a group where you've got Team Liquid with the Akinda. By the way, that's already not some like world beater. It's had some games that were good. It's had some games that they lost to fucking the guys from what, what the fuck was that Spanish team? Movistar Riders. There you go. They lost to them on land. So they are, we already know that's not like some world beater. And then G2's got a brand new lineup. Like, look, yes, G2. I actually think they'll probably hit the ground running and be really good, but they can also just fail in their own first, first couple of maps and blow it. So actually, maybe if you're Navi, this is probably one of the groups you can actually maybe even steal the group, even with this bullshit. And then also, remember, because the format is so forgiving and even coming forth, you still get to play the series. For Navi... They're one of the only teams because of how crazy the firepower is. I don't think it actually even matters if they come forth. Like just like they, I mean, they did shit in the blast at the beginning of this year. If people remember, they could come forth and still qualify easily because they're just so good. They have to just win the last match. You well, know, when you get into the play-in stage, I believe that's all best of three, right? Yeah, that is all best. It's what so would piss me off. This is why I don't like simple missing because what could happen is this similar. Imagine Simple doesn't play the group stage, but then he comes back for those playing stage, right? Now, imagine I did really well, and I finished second in my group, and I have to play against Na'Vi, because they maybe finished second or third in their group, in my, like, decider match to get into Blast. How's that fair? The now fuck is that? And then you bring Simple back in. The fuck is this? That's like some WWE shit, like, oh, I can win this match. <laughs> Who's me? just that? Sting? Oh, my God. He's there doing the is. pin drop. Uh, no, if it's Actually, simple, the pin drop is what they... You know what? 
Do you know the pin drop? That's actually the name that Simple calls it when he puts his head on the pillow to go to sleep at night. So I like the blast the way that if you just take it at a, at a glance, i kind of feel the same way about group C as well, though, with phase where it's just like, I don't see a team in this group, like these groups, at least group B and group C, a full strength Navi, you know, I mean, even a, even a half strength Navi, I feel like are the teams that, that are going to be comfortable in this group should be comfortable in this group. But like group C, I'm looking at, it, I'm just like, dude, it's phase versus EG to kick it off. EG. I mean, they brought Rush back in to, to replace Automatic for this event, but it's still not, you're still thinking the same thing where it's just like, there's no way EG are going to be able to take a team like FaZe in the first round. I mean, maybe best of one, but even then. But then you have Heroic and Big as well. Same thing. Like, I don't feel like either of those teams is going to have the firepower necessary to take on FaZe when FaZe are getting warmed up and ready to go. What well, I, I think they can. Look, they can. Those te- Here's the thing. Heroic can just match them straight up. I think they actually have a chance in the BO1. They have a decent map pool. The big one's the interesting one because I've noticed this with Big. If anyone watches, I, you'll notice I often do a lot of underdog bets on Big, but in very key points because I've noticed with Big, they're actually slightly, because they are like a tactical team and they do seem like they put a lot of practice in. They're actually like slightly better than the level of their team. Like the raw firepower is not too crazy, but I've noticed anytime you think they're a total underdog, they actually have a chance. It's only once they get, they get good and the map of the world, they're like maybe they can be top five. That's when you just listen. Oh, then you are, deep, you are. Then off with Puff the Magic Dragon, just smoking some seventies era fucking Cheech and Chong weed at that point in time. Like, yeah, that, that's delusional. But in matches like this, like pretty soon they have a cheeky chance to beat Heroic here. If they played Fears, obviously at the Rubet Cup, they played them a beat. Like, it's not impossible. Some of these things can happen. Obviously, they're outsider, but you know, because the thing about Fears, I always think people overrate is this: when they're at their peak level and they win. They still don't smash everyone. Like, they're actually a team that need, like, a lot of things to happen on the same time. Now, I will say they're amazing that the amount of times their stars can all perform at the same time is very impressive. But there's a reason why they had those couple of lands where they didn't do as well. Like, I think they can also be a team that can dip. The difference is Na'Vi at full strength. Like, I just think the firepower is impossible. Faze, you can you can get lucky, get them on the right map, or someone's having an off day. Or... Like tournament format, though, to, like, come back from a break on. Because now you've had, like, two or three weeks. You know, maybe you've been on vacation. Yeah, yeah it up but you know how, how, how long have you had a boot camp coming into this you know two three days maybe to just get the shake the rust off and you're gonna get back into the match and then you come into basically the tournament with the most forgiving format ever yep. where you just have opportunity on opportunity to stay in the tournament and keep fighting through until you get into the next stage so i mean like it is actually a perfect environment one navi that's what we used to always say about navi is that they start cold and maybe they're gonna get knocked down to the lower bracket but the longer the tournament goes the more they power up do you think FaZe have that same quality where it's just like maybe they start off a little cold, maybe it's going to be a little dicey, but if they can keep getting go like as the as the tournament progresses, they're just going to keep getting more and more dangerous? Yeah, the thing with FaZe to me is I actually think because of the fact that they seem to almost thrive off like the big game and playing the best teams and being in like clutch matches. Because if you notice, that, that's why I always say that like Fnatic 2015, they are a team that seem to like rise to the occasion now. Well, the, the thing about that is those are the teams similar where if they're going to lose, they're going to get beaten early in a tournament. You know what I mean? Like someone's going to catch you early before you get going, before you revved up because you're going to think as long as we keep going, as long as no one stops us now, eventually we're going to come online at some point in time. So I think for me, if they got locked out it'd be in like that playing stage part like I could see a team potentially like obviously there's a world where I'm just looking at who the other teams are let's say they even they won or came second in their group they could play against someone like I mean they could obviously play against anyone they could play against Na'Vi at full strength in a match you could have to play against Liquids or yeah I, I think FaZe in general look I don't ever worry about them I think their team does because the, the, they do it by committee I think it makes them a fairly consistent team it's just they also don't have the simple guy who can just win the game every time for you so I think they are they are they certainly can be upset what now Not no uh, sorry 
Other group? Yeah, other group. We're going to move into another group. I got sidetracked there for a second. Something caught my eye. Um, $70 million raised for uh, teams at the last major. Have you heard that news? I mean, if you look there, they just, I think, mean from stuff like stickers and all that shit. Sure, sure, sure. But uh, all of a sudden, it's like, if, if, if running a major is netting for everybody involved, right? If stickers are making 70 mil... Or is that just the cut for the players? Like, right, here's oh. the problem. The stickers thing will always be worthless because all people do is give an absolute number and then fans just speculate, oh, so everyone gets an equal share of that, so that's like seven point eight. And here's what they don't know. I've heard from stickers it works like this. First of all, it's what capsule you're in. So like, if you're in the same capsule with Navi, every fan of Navi who buys the capsule buys your sticker. Boom, already get her. Secondly, the RMR de defines it because the RMR puts you in which capsule and are you in the Legends capsule with Navi and with Faze or are you in the bumfuck legend new challenger capsule or whatever that is all the shit is like like ones that you wouldn't care about like fucking bad news eagles or something so i've heard sure. already there's like there's elements that aren't in your control always that affect like how much you get and then also like i say there's this shit of like who knows how it's divided up so the real problem is that number it's no one can really know how, who, who gets how much of what of that unless you're basically the number one team as far as i can tell this is a number that is really interesting because okay there there's definitely that in terms of like how much the players and the teams earn but from a organization perspective all of a sudden that means depending on what cut you get as an org for actually running the event now i if if those I'm are the cuts very low nowadays out. though sorry i've heard that the cut that those orgs get is very low nowadays it's hard that's part of what the players negotiate yeah sure the, no the, the the teams but like the tournament organizer all of a sudden if a pga organizer gets i don't as far as i know they don't get any money do they i think they do i think they do get a cut off of that money i think that's what like this is how okay. if we're talking these kinds of numbers this is how i can understand why sylvia would say like from pgl you know saying that it's profitable to run a major now because if you're talking about 70 million dollars and you're getting a cut of that as the t as the tournament organizer i mean you could be talking about millions of dollars all of a sudden on top of the sponsorships and everything else the ticket sales the sponsorships yeah, here's the problem though for that event here's that's the problem similar you can't compare the margins in the ledger of PGL with ESL, who are their main competitor for majors. Sure. ESL is going to have, like, off the top, they're going to have two or three times more staff just doing those same jobs. The people like PGL, they're like the CIS companies. They will have one guy do two jobs or just work 20 hours or work like TI into the major and just work like eight weeks in a row. Like, they'll do stuff like that. And as a result, guess what? It's like the, the joke is this, Sandler. You know that old joke people used to have about like Egypt? Like, yeah, it proves you can do anything if you just have access to unlimited slave power. Like, right. yeah, you can, you can build whatever you wanted. Like, the joke is that's all. Like, PGL, when they say then that they're making money, like, the first thing I think, by the way, is don't you and me want to go back in time before PGL Stockholm and maybe not give them the mates rate? What the fuck was that? Mate, if I, if I could go back in time, you're getting my top rate. What the fuck? You're going to tell me you're making money off this event? Motherfucker. That's... <laughs> by the way, that's also where I'm actually on a level that some people will never arrive at, Samla. I'm on the level where I can be called up by the man who owns the company that runs the major to apologize to me for what happened to the last major, and I'll even just go, look at the cat dragged in. Exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> that's I, one thing. I, don't, I, I, I sort of don't believe it, Samla. I don't really no, believe you can make I, money ruin a major. You know, no, this, is, this is the thing. If, no, no, no. I didn't believe that either if it was you know the low millions or whatever. But if we're talking, if, if Valve themselves are coming out and saying that $70 million were raised through stickers for professional organizations, teams, and players, professional organizations can be team owners or uh, tournament organizers as well. So it's like, if that kind of money is at play, all of a sudden it's like ESL, PGL, doesn't matter where you're based. If you're dealing with millions of dollars off of a cut for your event, like, 
okay, I can see why maybe Blast is actually for the first time trying to make a play to get a major. Because if you're gonna if that if that's the kind of money in play, then maybe all of a sudden it is worthwhile to actually try and run one instead of it just being a massive cost. Maybe you're actually making some scratch. Like that's a, that totally that's changes an angle the game. for you. Here's sure. an angle for you. Even though I would actually hate this, like as someone, Sambler, who has paid in taxes each year more than most people in this Twitch chat will make fucking, like, total without tax, that's a flex and a half on all of you, but it's true. As someone who's done that, I don't particularly want that tax money being frivolously spent on fucking esports tournaments. I'd like to choose if that money of mine gets spent on that or not. But I will say this, Semler, I do think the future, and someone like Blast would be right in line for this, the future is this. You know how in the NFL, there are all those complaints where a city will be like, we want an NFL franchise to move to our city. And what happens is the NFL franchise goes, right, you will provide us with a top-of-the-line stadium, you will build the whole thing then you will give it to us and we will make money off that now what they always argue pol politically is obviously but it'll be create jobs in the area and all that but what they're really telling you is oh all you people who work back-breaking jobs yeah your tax money is going to fund this fucking billionaire having this massive sports stadium and then he's going to choose this place instead of another now i know why they do it because if you don't do that stuff he will go to the state that does do that and that is what will attract them well similarly that's what i think the future will be in esports similar is if you know it makes a lot of money like this but the margins are still slim then what you do is you go if you're blast to the danish government and you tell them we're bidding right now for a world championship you know how like macron just said he wants world championships in france and obviously they're going to happen in the middle east now with these sponsors well if you were somehow to arrange I mean, or maybe you could use the taxpayers money to pay for the costs what if i what if you just gave me the royal arena to use and i didn't have to pay for it then my margins would be very different i could go back and i could bid aggressively for this major and then we'll have a world championship in denmark spoiler if you know how sports works that's going to happen eventually that'll be the way it goes like they'll have access to that sort of funding they will i mean that the the city build that's how they do it they it'll subsidize it'll become a thing yeah of course. Subsidize, they subsidize they subsidize they promote across the city and that's that's but one of uh one of blast's biggest supporters is literally the state the danish state in terms of uh taxes so you're right you're on i see where you're going on that line I, to uh, me, it's just whether it's like a logical way that we could have more people do majors, and it's a way that if you want that specific location, people have to play a ball, right? Yeah, I mean that is one of the major things. Like the the word around the campfire was that the the PG, you know, Antwerp only happened in Antwerp because it was like one of the only arenas that was available at the time, just due to booking. It was almost like that dumb. Like they were just like, oh, well, we could do, you know, we we. It's like the the, the options were there, and they that was like they there weren't that many arenas that were even available short notice, and so it just wound up in Antwerp. Uh, comically, right? So if you if you were to actually have a marketing team or a sales team that was actually out there hunting down different cities and trying to find the best deals subsidy-wise in terms of like investment, then yeah, that would be a totally different picture. But um, all right, that was a little bit of a tangent. Yeah, uh, what do you think about Group A on this um, on this uh, this blast team? Because like Vitality OG, Nip Astralis. I mean, we haven't really talked about the Vitality. Uh, I, you know, the Vitality sort of scenario now that Spinks has actually been announced. You know, so it's Apex, Zywoo, Dupree, Magus, Spinks as the full five-man roster for Vitality. Zonic's still the big man coach behind him. Uh, it looks like Neymar is going to be getting him water as well between matches. Uh, like, what do you what do you take about the, what do you think about this uh, this Vitality roster? Do you think that this is it? It's got the it's got the firepower necessary. 
I mean, it does. Like, this is a super team. Let's be real. Every player on this list has either been a top 20 player or might be in the future. Like, I think Spinks will be this year. So they'll have a team where all five players at one point were, like, star players in the world. So already their firepower you should expect to be very good. Remember, because Spinks was one of the best riflers in the world and you already had Zimu, who I don't care what people say. Yes, he's he has slumped in certain tournaments. He is still a fucking amazing player oh, who can take oh, over yeah. plenty of gear. So if you have him and Spinks, here's the good news. The pressure on Magus and Dupree has just been unloaded like a motherfucker. They just have to be role players now, mate. If they can just do their jobs as like some sort of a sport like lurker, anchor, and an entry player, they can. The, the whole world is theirs. And now Apex only has to IGL. It's not even like the old Apex where it's like, right, you have to run through a brick wall and get 25 kills of map. Like, he didn't have to do that at all. It's just the IGL, mate, and be part of the pack, probably. So I actually think this is a great signing. I think it's a very... it's a, For me, this is a good example of where someone has made the correct move, which saves a roster. If you had to toss most of this roster, you would have wasted so much money. Now, obviously, you can do the classic move of throwing good money after bad. This is throwing good money and turning the bad into good. Like, I actually think this signing could save this whole Super Team project. Because I think Sphinx really? is mega. The problem I have there's one angle that I'm skeptical though which is this I do suspect that he probably a la the example of Monacy and Navi was the man in Ents and had everything tailored to him and yeah. all his spots and all the resources you aren't going to get that in Vitality as much because just because of Zewa alone so you've got you to learn you're coming in at the bottom of the totem pole you don't have the same status as all the other players but if they can create the right space and role this guy is really good so I actually think it's his chance to win tournaments now it's Vitality's chance to go to number one Spinks and Zewa is a hell of a fucking combo if it works so i'm very excited to see this lineup play I, to me the like i'm i'm on board with you on that front in terms of like sphinx and zywu the those guys are like proven elements the, the it still feels like the big question mark revolves around the danes on the roster dupree and magus and whether or not they're going to be able to get comfortable and actually step up and have those kinds of star performances that they've had in the past because it always feels like i'm left wanting more from those guys when i watch vitality so it's like what is the intangible thing that's stopping them from actually being able to get the results because they still have their coach behind them as well you know it's like it's still zonic back there you know if anybody should be able to get that kind of performance out of these two players it should be him right so it feels like it's been a little bit of a a disappointing turn of events just on that that level because to me dupree is always going to be just a total monster we just need to see more of that from him instead of uh, instead of less i needed to see something actually here Real quick. What are you looking for? No, it's just tragic. Yeah, I was just trying to bring up uh, Dupree's ratings now because I couldn't remember them off the top of my head. But um, it's pretty know, pedestrian. It's not, it's it's not exactly terrible, but it's very pedestrian. It's yeah. a, he's definitely the last three events have definitely been a pretty uh, hard drop off back into like just average, right? Not not anything that's really just taken over. Uh, it still it still feels like this vitality team is looking for their identity, uh, but they're at least they're making a play now. Spinks bringing on to you know could be more of that firepower that's actually going to be able to to make up for a Misuda, uh, not really having that star level kind of um, element to bring. So now Apex Zaiwu, ah, man, I, it's just Zaiwu is still the X factor. Like if you have Zaiwu on your team, it's you should still be able to just win regardless of who's in front of you. So do you think like? This is this is kind of the question that I've always wondered, and I'm kind of it feels weird because I feel like I'm seeing it again with Xtaz on um, on G2, where he's not necessarily uh, putting, let's say, um, you don't want your stars necessarily to be self-effacing either, and so taking this like taking the pressure off of Nico or saying like, oh, Nico doesn't do these things, or how how to how to phrase this like 
Can you get it in the position now where it's like, okay, Zaiwu, actually, you are the star. And instead of you being like, oh, just another teammate, it's like, you are now the star and we're going to give you more resources. So go be the star, right? Instead of, instead of trying to reel it back and say like, oh no, you're just, you know, you're just, you're just like the other players, you know, you're, you're nothing special. I'll tell you a reason that shouldn't be acceptable already. Like, just go look how much these guys earn. As soon as you pay Ziwu what Masuta makes, then Ziwu can have the same little breaks that Masuta gets. But if you get paid essentially like Cristiano Ronaldo money in your team, you better be Cristiano Ronaldo and score those fucking goals for me. That's the only reason I've signed you. Like, I'll give you a story. One time, if people remember famously, Charles Barkley's run to the NBA Finals when he joined the Phoenix Suns. It was actually the first season he joined. They went straight to the Finals. When he joined that team, the guy who signed him, this guy, I forget his name, cotton something or other this guy said to charles barkley look in this stadium here right we've you know we've been in playoffs before we, we're signing you to hang a banner mate you're here to win the championship that's why we signed you that's actually what the expectation should be when you're nico z with this level of player like you aren't there just to be a part of the team we're not paying you to like part of the team we're paying you to be the best player in the world and be the best player in our team so i agree that's why i hate this angle like the nico angle there's a similar one with zero people say with zero oh the thing about zero is he's just such a nice guy he, he's happy to create space for his teammates he's happy to give up a spot or he's happy to give up the op to nevera he shouldn't be happy he's exactly. the star player i need him first and foremost just like nico tell me what you need to get your shit together now once you've got your game fixed i'll take care of the rest don't worry about them if you're fragging out like nico can you're fragging out like zero can i'll handle the others don't worry about that. that's my job as a coach i just need you right so you tell me what you need what are we not giving you what are we not so because here's the problem as well when you do that when you let people go i'm just a player it's what device did me to me for years and spoiler this is when device didn't win any majors this is when he didn't get to be the number one player in the world because he made himself just another player but as i used to tell him back then the reason you can't tell me you're just a player is because zipniks can't pick up the op and do with 3k that beats an ip mate only you can do that so in this scenario you're actually literally like avoiding your responsibility your responsibility is that you're here to be my best player i want you to do everything you need to take over this game i don't want you to shirk back and go yeah you win as a team you lose as a team i want you to go no i actually won by the way you guys were gonna lose me this game i fucking made us win this so next time give me what i want that's what i want yeah yeah well, speaking of Nip, I mean, they're in the same group. They're on the other side of the bracket going up against Astralis, who just... This uh, group is all over the place, by the way. Like, I'm not joking. Almost any combo of these teams could actually get out of this group. Because remember, the OG teams had some upgrades. Like, this this group is wild, I think. Yeah. I mean, okay. But, like, what do you think about this Nip roster? Because like, it feels like the sort of Democ Democles has finally been lifted above their heads. You know, like, there's... They, it's like um, Hampus has come out in an interview on Fragbyte recently saying that there is no um, that there's no doubt now like Device is not coming back and they're going to play with this roster for Rio so it's like at least in the short term we know the Device isn't coming back that this is going to be the roster but I saw you popping off the other day on Twitter you know I mean again it's just so unreasonable this situation like every stream you start every day you have somebody asking about Device like where's Device what's Device like do we have any information on Device and the answer continues to be no we don't actually know anything about him like what is going on apart from the fact that I guess he no longer lives in Stockholm he moved back to Copenhagen and I can only speculate that he wants to get back on Astralis but like that's literally the, the point that we're at right now like we have no information on Device but at least we we know now that this is going to be the nip roster res plopsky hampus s attack and brolan like this is going to be the nip roster going forward at least for the foreseeable future so i mean it sounds to me like you think that this is a team that can actually do some work here and get some work done i mean i think they're a good team anyway like i actually i i, I wouldn't say they're over it because no one ever seems to put them up there but the problem i have is this they do seem to have a ceiling like i noticed this team doesn't ever go to a final doesn't ever win a tournament but here's the difference they're the team where as you've seen i mean the major proved this 
if they were to play the number one team in like the quarterfinals, so they'll have a crack at it. Like they could, they could be in this game. They could win it. Like I think their rifle core is pretty good. I actually think they've even somewhat fixed the system of the team. I don't know what Hampus did or what the coach staff did, the DJL guy or whatever it is called. Whatever they've done, it seems like they've turned it around. The problem they have is they do lack an opera, just like a device. Like Estag ain't getting it done in that sense. That's one problem. True, there's not that many amazing opers right now, so they're sort of getting away with it. But I do think that's like something capping them out. And then on the other side of the equation, on the device side, here's the problem. When I said that way back, or when Richard was the other course, that like the rumor after the last major was Valde and Device go to Astralis, right? Already that's not the case because spoiler, Valde is going to end. So that part of the deal's already broken down. And there has been since then no further rumors behind the scenes about Device until very recently. Now, I'm not breaking this story. I won't even say who is. You'll just see it in the next couple of days. But I have heard that, that, that one of the legit journalism sources I use. That device apparently is talking to teams potentially. So maybe I don't know if it's Astralis, so I don't know where he's gonna go, but it sounds like maybe there is a return. Maybe there is finally some something's happening more than just he's in FPL playing a park. Like finally there's more than that at least. So it sounds to me like something might get resolved. I have no idea if that means he joins Astralis. That would certainly tie in with like the recent like Smoothie vague thing he said on stream about like maybe Astralis had a different player mm. coming in. The problem with that is spoiler Smoothie is like the overdrives of the world. Just they just throw shit at a wall and hope some of it sticks and then go say I told you and you go no mate you didn't tell me you told me stuff like fucking J like Tabson and Gobby were joining G two you can't you didn't tell me all those other things you just throw shit at a wall and pretend the the rest of the sliding offs just like sort of a fucking moving landscape painting or something you know collage like fuck you it's, so an, that, it's, it's so, an anders prediction game yeah exactly so yeah well it's exactly what it is exactly and by the way that's the joke of why anders does it he does it so that he can go i called mibr to meet this team in this yeah, exactly. he does it for that but he does it with a smirk like these people pretend yeah. like it's real and the joke is they're probably nominated for journalist of the year like me right so i think yeah there's definitely some fuckery there what i would say overall with this move is like i think nip is okay as it is but I do think it's underwhelming because I also do think if you could add one more good piece, I don't know if it needs to be the, like a really good opera, if it's a different IGL. I still feel like if you add one piece, this team could genuinely be like battling for the title. They could be like a major contender. Okay. They've got a pretty nice little rifle call there. If you think about that, add up the players. Yeah, they've got a pretty canny little team. Brolan has always been a real threat. I just feel like he needs to find a home that can actually build on it. And he wants to play with a Swedish team. He's unapolog unapologetically said that in the past. He doesn't want to go international. He wants to play Swedish. So this is his this is his chance to really just shine. So Brolan should have everything going for him. Uh, I feel like a threat's behind the scenes as well. He should have a good idea of how to get those guys to actually perform well. Um, Rez uh, also seems to be coming up um, coming up in spades lately as well on his side of things, which is awesome to see because, I mean, it really feels like he's been... I mean, that's the funny thing about Rez. You know, he's been around for a long time now on Nip. You know, this is not a Do you reason... Do know the joke, Samler? Because if you've ever watched this short, it was a famous trend we always talked about, right? Okay. Richard particularly, it was literally Richard. It, it was, it was, you mean it was Richard all along? Always was. Like oh, the joke shit. is Richard is the guy who, because he was so impressed by Rez at IEM Auckland 2017 or whatever it was, he, he did reference that a million times about Rez because Rez is one of his favorite players. So famously last year, when they did that run through the, the RMR, uh, the actual land qualifier, when they were able to win it and they came to number two in the world, he actually was sort of overhyping Rez a bit. Like every time at the match, he'd be like, Rez has to turn up. Now the joke, 
joke was similar. Last year, everyone was overhyping Rezov, like the odd performance, and he wasn't at the old level. The joke is, when they finally stopped, when like the rest of us were like, look, they're not doing that. Stop saying that storyline. That actually did become a real storyline. If you actually look this year, dude, Rezov's had a whole bunch of months where he was really good, actually. Like, he actually does seem to have turned his whole game around. So a... That story is legit now. He is actually a really good rifle again, yeah. It's interesting, yeah. I mean, he had uh, Katowice where he really did well. Remember, uh, fans, had, everyone, uh, not everyone has a memory like I do. Everyone, ha what happens with a lot of people is they get like an image stuck in their mind of someone in a certain way and they, they're that player forever. So I'll give you an example just to be fair. If you've ever heard Moses on any podcasts, if Moses was to mention the player Phelps, you all know he would instantly reference that one game we all remember from when he was in Immortals and he went through the murder hole on fucking Mirage T-side. Like, the problem is, though, Moses referenced it too many times. So as soon as he says Phelps, you know what's coming. You go, up. And and then he he he'd say the line Bart and then he moves and, and the murder. I think if there were a player in Mirage, he might be dangerous around the murder. That that I don't blame these guys. What you don't know if you're a fan is essentially when we have these convos, we're asked at any moment the drop of a hat to have an opinion about any player in any context in history, any team matching up. It's there's too much for a lot of people. So anyway, it's not it's not a big diss band say that by the way. In the same way as Richard also did point out like he th thought saying to replace Rain with JKS was stupid whereas obviously that was one of my takes wasn't it so we all have hot takes we all have hot takes they're all out there there's the opportunities there's definitely there it's definitely there uh, what about um, I mean well the 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 ones that are the big roster changes because I mean we do have Astralis in there but I feel like Astralis right now are kind of a known quantity I mean Firelight was on the team now but that's pretty much it like Config and BlameF we look to them to really do the heavy lifting on the team um, but OG uh, they are the other team in this group, Group A, and they're the ones, you know, Flames is still there, and Nexa's now in, but now you have Neofrag, Fiku, and Dexter's the big pickup, uh, where it really feels like he was out on the market, and some opportunities missed from other higher-ranked teams. Wild. Yeah. You know, and the OG are the yeah. ones who actually managed to get this guy on the roster, so... Like Dexter is a freak of nature. That guy can just take over servers if he wants to. And I like I really like the uh, Flames' attitude. I feel like he is definitely a guy who can get some work done. So, what do you think about this uh, this OG roster and their odds here? What do you think of this uh, the shape they're in? Like I do think these pickups are good. I think these were the right ones. Like the Neil Frag guy was the other really good rifler in the team, along with Oscar when they were in Sinners, and they were a team that was on the rise at the time. Or Dexter, I think it's just one of the most eligible like star as we've had in years. So the idea he ended up on OG, I don't even know how that happened. Like that makes me wonder if other teams were like pulling out, or you've seen in interviews he himself implied maybe he was very careful about where he wanted to play or what sort of team. So Serbia is what it was one of the. So to me, I almost feel like just like we, your Kindata team, look at it. There's no way these are the first choice guys. Like this is what happened. This is like this is like your safety school when you're trying to go to college or something. Like, you're not going to this place first, mate. This is where you go when the first two offers you really wanted turn you down. You just go to one that's there, it's all right in it so i actually think dexter is mad overqualified to be an og like the joke i made about alexi b before was like can alexi b just join og again he actually would have fucking players to use now before it was just him and a bunch of pieces of string and buttons out of someone's pocket and players who never were anything so i actually think De like, this team is way more dangerous now i don't know how well nexus gonna igl it i'm still waiting to see that myself but i think in terms of war firepower this sort of tournament they're purposely designed for like it's bo1s all you need to go in is just have a DM, get a bunch of people, Dexter, Neil, Frag, Frag out, suddenly you win the game. Like I actually think this, like, I don't think they can be like a team that has big placings, but I think they can pull a bunch of upsets out. I think it could be a really dangerous, like, single match team. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely. I mean, it's got some potential. I'm looking at Flames' uh, stats right now, and actually, he's uh he's popping off as well. So if you can actually go deeper than Neofrag and Dexter, you can start reaching down into Flames as well to start doing some heavy lifting. Looks like he's been popping off already on this uh, road to, on the RMR uh, European RMR. So that's cool to see that he's in shape. I mean. It's just, uh, it's it's a team I think that's going to be really exciting to watch just because you don't have like those old hand veterans on this team anymore. These are these are the these are the upstarts. These are the young guns who are going to try and make names for themselves. It's going to be exciting to watch and follow their story because, I mean, Nexa is going to be Nexa's been around now, I guess, but you don't really look to Nexa as like a veteran in the scene. So even he is going to be looking to prove himself as an IGL to show that hey, I gave himself shot on as well, and that I have a system that works. I know how I want the game to be played, and I can get players around me to buy into that system and actually execute it as well on the server. So like, this is it's actually really sick to to see that uh, OG have actually managed to make the cut here and are going to be able to have a an interesting five man roster to watch. Uh, wow, it bodes well. It bodes well for the future. It gives me way more hope than teams like uh, EG or Complexity right now in the other groups. If we want to go on like the four seeds of the groups, you know, Complexity and EG are definitely bottom of the pack right now. And we can go from there. I don't know what Stan needs to do to get back on that main roster, but... Uh, uh, Invent a time machine? A time machine to go back in time, yeah, basically. <laughs> do, quick predictions, though. Do you want to do like quick predictions? Yeah, if you want. Because like uh, Group A... Uh, I mean, I, you have to go with Vitality over OG. Even if we have bigged up OG, I don't think that OG get the upset there. I think OG are going to be, I think it'll be Nip over Astralis. I think Vitality will take uh, OG. But then I think it's OG over Astralis in the lower bracket. I'm willing to go that far. And then man, I, Vitality, Nip, uh, playing it out all the way. We go the distance. That's a 50-50, I reckon. Dude, that's a 50-50, yeah. I'm like, I, I almost want to say the Swedes in this one because Vitality, if they add Spinks in, it's going to be a new roster. They may be trying to change things, maybe getting guys comfortable. Whereas Nip, you know, I feel like this is a roster that they should be pretty tight on right now and they should be able to do well. I may put Nip as the upset over that one in that 50-50 and just say Nip take it and go into the grand final match and uh, and Vitality will run it back through the lower bracket. But like, what do you what do you think? Does that sound about right for you? I think that's plausible, yeah. That's probably how I did it. I, Group B, Navi Complexity, G2 Liquid. Uh, also, oh, well, I mean. Obviously, it matters if Simple plays or not. If Simple plays, I would assume Navi wins. If Simple doesn't play, I think I would probably pick G2. And it's worth mentioning that uh, we do have our sponsor, esportsbet.io. Go and check them out uh, as well. So going through these kinds of predictions. Uh, this is the the kind of fun stuff that uh, we like to do, and uh, you know, big thanks to them for supporting the show. And I, you know, worth reminding you all as well if you've made it this far, um, leave us a leave us a review on uh, Spotify or on iTunes. It definitely helps, even if it's a one word comment. I mean, anything to get the algo going. The algo gods are greedy gods. They they require some kind of sign. So if you leave a review, leave a star, leave anything like that, thumbs up. Uh, that obviously helps. So we appreciate if you're listening there. And uh, also, by the way, on this channel on YouTube or on Twitch. Like yesterday, me and Monty did a, one of those competitive edge shows that's about these opening matches and which bets I would do and whatever. So if you want to know like specifically or what I'm doing when I bet on, I think the odds it's in that video there. We're just doing a preview now, obviously. Oh, there you go. Yeah, check that video out as well if you want the more in depth uh, side of things. Uh, Group B: Navi Complexity G2 Liquid. What do you got on this one? I mean, I just think Navi wins the first match no matter what. I would have G2 probably over TL, and then I think G2 might actually just win the group. It depends if Simple's there or not. If Simple's there, I'll take Navi. Otherwise, I'm going to take G2 and just say they hit the ground running. Okay, okay. And then uh, Complexity fourth, Liquid third behind them? Yes. Ah, okay. I like it. I like it. I, I Again, it depends if Simple plays or not. If Simple isn't there, then it's a real question of whether or not... Liquid could win. win. It's not impossible. Electronic bit. I mean, they've got Firepower, Electronic Bit, Perfecto, like... 
they've got firepower on that team. They've got a system. Could potentially still still work out. Yeah, but then they would also technically have two stand-ins at the same time. Like SDY's only played like two tournaments, so you, yeah. you, eventually the team's going to break. Eventually, if you keep taking pieces out, there has to be some core of Navi in it. <laughs> That's it. Is a question of like how much time SDY would have spent with Blade over this break. Like the the CIS guys don't take breaks in that same in the same way. Well. Uh, let's say unless you're simple, but like, uh, you know, like the guys, the guys actually out there, like I could imagine SDY was a guy who would be really trying to put work in throughout this three weeks to, to get on, on board with blade system to understand, uh, where, where he needs to improve to really make the system work. I could see him actually having making, made some progress, um, over the period of the break, but if that's enough to make up for simple, probably not. All right. Group C phase EG heroic big. This one, you actually, I mean, okay, so phase over EG, I think that one's fair enough, and I think phase do win the group. But uh, Heroic and Big, you were kind of uh, on the fence a little bit on this one in terms of, like, who do you think has more firepower? What do you think of this one? I mean, I explicitly, on the competitive X show, I said I actually would take the underdog Big. Like, obviously, they were the, be they were the betting underdog. Like, I, I think they can win this VO1. I, th I think it's a close game, though. Like, they're both tactical teams. Both, like, Heroic has a good map pool, but the problem is Heroic also randomly every now and then just dips in level. They don't have, like, a hard carry player that wins your game no matter what. So I think they're just a team that can be upset, and Big's a canny little upset team, especially in a VO1, in my opinion. Early on as well. No pressure. Definitely. Uh, yeah, exactly. They can hit the ground running. And uh, Heroic are going to be uh, in that uh, lower bracket final then. Uh, I mean, I think uh, EG fourth, and then it's going to be a question of whether or not Heroic can bounce back and uh, and fight for the second place. I still think FaZe are going to take the first spot. Even if it gets a bit dicey, gets a bit close, I feel like FaZe are going to be the team to, to fight it through and get that grand final spot and get that first seed uh, going into the finals of the playing stage. Kind of hard to get around that. But um, this is probably a good place, dude. I mean, like, Prediction-wise on Blast, that gives us something to go off of, and then we can obviously uh, check and make sure, you know, actually what we'll do is next week we'll just take a look and see like what the predictions, how the predictions played out. But uh, maybe it's a, it's a good time to get into questions. What do you think? Let's do it. All right, because um, do you want to give the just rundown? Who don't, how yeah. work? Basically, now we don't use a Patreon anymore. What we do instead is we have like a crypto you can buy called GrogCoin. So if you go to the Insight on Esports Discord server, go to the GrogCoin Lounge, there'll be a pinned tweet, explains how you buy it. If you have 25, I think it's 25 Grog coins. there's a channel called BTN Questions, which someone's going to take the questions from. You can just put your questions there. I will say, just like I said on some of the Insight this week, if you're going to intentionally make the questions like annoying to even ask and they're like way too long, you will eventually. Like, I'm not I'm not some fucking whore that's like, ah, oh, ducky, ducky, $5. Like, like mate, I'll just throw the $5 back in your face if you tell me to suck your dick. So if the question's really annoying, you will just be removed from this thing. So keep it within bounds. Make it funny. Keep it fairly concise. And don't make it, like, five paragraphs. So, again, this is how why you part of nice things, guys. So as long as people keep it respectful, we can have lots of fun with this. Yeah, there you go. So uh, go and pick up GrogCoin, and uh, you'll be able to ask some questions as well, and it helps support the show. So uh, go and check it out. But uh, first uh, question, then, uh, taking it from the top. Architect of Korean esports-based Joe. Uh, what happened to Lol Banelore? He's still around. He's doing his thing. He's uh, he's uh, helping with the... Uh, he he still handles the edits, and he still um, gets the edits together, basically, for the uh, for the show. Not that we're doing much editing right now. I think it's more about like preparing the VOD and just getting things squared away. But 
Yeah, Sam's still around. He's no, not the there. problem for them is this, is that obviously Sam used to have, like, he used to basically know when he could, like, put his mic on and laugh and it would, like, add to a lot of the great scenes and, like, best of buy the numbers and stuff. The problem with that is he just can't at the moment produce the live show. Like, he has a bunch of event work he does. You guys don't need to know. I think it's, like, white level stuff in eSports. He does a bunch of event work, basically, so he can edit the VOD, but at the moment he's not available to do the show live. Like, I'm actually using the guy who does, like, the League of Legends stuff for us from the company to do the production of this now, basically. So, at this point, like, like, it, when he doesn't have event work again, if as long as we've got the right hookup, we'll bring him back in and he'll come on. But at the moment, he's just not available, unfortunately. Well, there you go. Uh, next one, Butt Pounder 420. Favorite most thought-provoking viewer question you've had so far? Oh, that would mean having to remember past questions. Do you have anything on the top of your head? I'm terrible for See, sure. what's funny is a lot of the viewer questions I've noticed are just stuff like, what's your favorite sci-fi book? Which, look, it can be an interesting question. But I actually, to me, the more interesting ones are ones where it'd be like, you know, what's like a what's like a motto you've lived by in your life? Like, I think stuff like that's interesting. So there's been some that was sort of in that wheelhouse, I think. Sure. Um, or, you know, what was like a what was a moment in your life that transformed some of the other, some bullshit like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, because it's kind of like when you get questions about like uh, stories that happen behind the scenes, like those are always kind of touch and go because you're really not sure. You can't tell most of them, unfortunately. All the, if I, all the best ones, you can't tell. That's the joke. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the, the the point of that sort of scenario. And uh, uh, yeah, and it, like, what are you gonna what are you gonna tell? Like, it's a, it's a little bit uh, touch and go. And otherwise, yeah, it is like you know what's your what's your five man roster or something like that. So, um, we'll work on that, but pounder, we'll, we'll work on that. Uh, Snake Gold, what has been the most impactful change made to improve viewer experience? What change would you make? Um, what has been the most impactful change made to improve viewer experience? I actually think it's really simple. Um, I think it's X-Ray. I think actually having X-Ray, because like if you go back and watch... It didn't exist in 1.6 if people exactly. don't know. If you go back and watch old CS, dude, like if you don't know what's going on, you it's just it's you're as surprised as some of the players are yeah. when somebody comes around the corner it's it's a totally totally different viewer experience it's much harder to follow like you actually really have to know what's happening to be able to enjoy watching 1.6 in certain cases because it's just like it's it's a it's mystifying like it's so hard to observe whereas today like you can see you see through the walls you can see the players coming it builds anticipation you see something happening you know it's like it, it just adds an infinite amount to the broadcast and it tilts me to no end when they've started doing this again where they they'll t they'll toggle x-ray live during a round and i fucking hate that because it makes me think that somebody died every time i'm like shit right. there was a fool that i didn't see and right. no it's just like the observers like oh no, i'm gonna toggle it because it's one view x or whatever it's like no dude you do that in a replay you keep the x-ray on the x-ray is on and that's it it's not it's jarring when you turn it off now unless you know what's happening but for like a random viewer who's just tuning in they're gonna be like what the fuck I, like i could see a guy now i can't see a guy what happened you you turn off the x-ray for a replay but you always just leave the x-ray on x-ray on during live play but yeah i think x-ray is 100 percent like the most impactful change made to observing cs bar none because it just completely changed how you could watch the game and actually follow the game versus needing to know what the strat actually looks like and visualizing it in your head or just seeing whatever the player is that you happen to be observing at that moment is seeing you know i mean i would have picked x-ray as well it's the most obvious oh. one if well, not x-ray then let me think what else? 
I would maybe here's the thing, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I would I do think essentially what made CS go from looking like just a video game to like more cinematic was when people figured out how to it was actually all the people who did the frag movies, but then people in events figured out how to do all those fly throughs of the map, etc. You know, and have like so you when you can come out of spawn, the camera flies through like cinematic style. That does add something to sort of like the professional sheen of the tournament, you know. If it was just in the game only shit, it wouldn't look as cool. True. But whatever. All right, Blaz, if B-Hopping was made possible in CSGO, which CS pros do you think would get buffed the most? I mean, obviously, some like Forest players fucking surf maps all the time, so it's going to be someone like that. Obviously, old school Neo had amazing movement. I GW. assume someone like Simple would have fucking sick movement if he wanted to. He always had the most fluid movement. Watching him play, like, it was just so enjoyable. So, like, I think he would just go into overdrive. I think all the people who were super nerds, like Rops... Fucking Nico, yeah. these people would all master this. I think they would put mad hours in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. All right, so uh, Coach Paul, compared to other major esports, CS:GO has generally been in- inhospitable to coaches who are not former pros. Why is this the case? Here's the problem: his oh, name's yeah. already set him up to get hurt here. So is that the end of the question? Yeah, go for it. Right, here we go. I'm going to hurt your feelings now, Coach Paul. The fact that your name's Coach Paul already, here's the problem, mate. You're right. The esports scene is way too close-minded to think anyone who wasn't a former pro could know about the game. But here's the problem, Coach Paul. There are a billion people like you spamming esports teams going, I have coached Little League Baseball. I have been a coach as the third assistant coach on a fucking a Div 1 fucking baseball team with the pitching team. And then you act like you're Alex Ferguson. And you're like, well, look, just because I wasn't a top player doesn't mean I couldn't bloody know about the game. I can't do Scottish accents or whatever. You know, like, you're acting like... It's like, here's the analogy, Semler. You know, when I often point out, I'm one of the only people to be very successful at the analyst role in Counter-Strike who wasn't a pro player. That's not my, like, selling point. Like, the reason I'm good isn't because I wasn't a pro. It's because while I wasn't being a pro, I spent my whole life studying the game, watching the game, fucking talking to pros. The the point is, I used my time differently and built up a different skill stack. What is this guy's skill stack? If the skill stack is just... I've done a bit of real world coaching, then here's the problem. Some of your things might work, but only in a certain circumstance. We can't know you'd be good in CS. So the real problem to me is this. The actual people you want is the order that's logical. You want people who are pros initially because they're the most obvious ones to test. Then you want people who've been around the scene a long time. Maybe they themselves were like a fucking person who was a talent or something like that. Then you want people also who have real life coaching experience because unfortunately nobody has bridged that gap yet. There aren't real world coaches who've come into esports and been good at coaching. Even people like the fucking Casper Fitz of the world. I've heard about those obviously the Woodbook guy for League of Legends at TSM. There's a few people they've tried it with. The problem is they tend to just be like boomer style coaches. Like the jokers they come in similar and they really are just having meetings like now guys you get a plate when you play together, then you're, you know, it's like fucking like, it's like fucking campfire shit fucking truisms, exactly. you know. Yeah, exactly. So the problem is, there's way too many people out there who've done some low-level coaching who think they would just revolutionise the fucking game. And they wouldn't. And by the way, they wouldn't have the ear of the players. They wouldn't know how to get the players buy-in. They would not be respected by the Nikos, the Stewies, the fucking, the Simples of the world. They would just be told politely to shut up, if not explicitly told to fuck off by exactly these players. So... here's the thing as an abstract point you're totally right there's loads of people I think could be amazing at these gigs the problem is 
the people who are trying to sort of ride that fucking narrative, don't, they, they probably shouldn't be hired either. So I think it's a complicated topic, personally. I think CS has got too many specific elements to it that you can't just be a generalized coach. So I think you also have to be an expert about Counter-Strike, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, that's the, and that's why they're so few and far between, actually, of like the good coaches, because you still have coaches and this isn't a knock on Roban. Roban was a pro as well. So, I mean, he definitely has some insight into the game, but he's not known as like a tactical coach who's going to be giving you advice on that front. He's going to be there to support the players. He's going to be more of like a GM role, if anything. And then you have guys like Inner Shine, et cetera, who are just straight up analysts who are giving that kind of dope to, to phase. But like the the really good coaches that's why they get so much attention that's why guys like zonic you know they get as much attention as they do because they are so rare so hard to come by and uh, the vast majority of coaches uh, most of the time it doesn't feel like you're getting that kind of insight you're not you're getting that kind of level but at the bare minimum you're right you need to have like even robot you saw you saw what i said there like even robot where i'm like you know he's not necessarily on the tactical side of things he was still a pro like he still has that experience yeah so it's like he's still going to be able to give you some insight. He's still going Absolutely. to be able to have that kind of yeah. knowledge to transmit, even if perhaps like right now he isn't doing that on a nitty gritty level. Uh, you know, he's still going to have something to bring to the table on that front. Not just, uh, you know, that's that's the thing. Uh, that also, you if you're Robin, mate, you don't need to get buy-in. Your buy-in is when Simple was like a 10-year-old kid, you were playing in like the SWC final. Like, there's your buy-in, mate. They grew sure. up watching you. It's like I said on Twitter the other day. Here's what's hilarious, Semler. There's all these pros that to score free internet points will trash me publicly and be like, yeah, get a job, idiot. I'll be like, no one respects Thorin. And the joke is, Semler, if I ever send these guys over the years a fucking random compliment privately they're all like what well, means so much coming from you specifically like, fuck you fuck you guys <laughs> that's what they're like in esports mate it's fucking bullshit isn't it at all it's just the way it is man it's fucking crazy all right what's the next question uh, let's see uh we're into um bz what are your thoughts about m4a4 and m4a1 as balancing do you think we should strive to make them both viable or accept one will always be more powerful than the other should it be allowed to be swapped in game or even in between rounds? What's your take? I, I think that by definition, like um, information is key. And so if you can dampen sound and also dampen tracers, like the A1S is always going to be superior. So long as you can eliminate tracers from the picture, being able to spam smoke is always going to be more powerful than the A4, no matter how you cut it, even like rate increased rate of fire. Like I would still take being able to have like a split second uh, drop on an opponent that makes, I think that makes up for the rate of fire in certain situations. Now, I still felt like in certain, like there were certain positions that you could still have like the A4 and it could be really good, like an anchor position on like B Inferno or something where it's like you, sometimes you just need to be able to fucking hold down mouse one and hose an area, but then you would need to really increase the rate of fire to make up, like to make it so that it's like a situational thing where you're actually making a decision right now. Because right now I feel like the stealth from the A1 just outweighs everything else. There's a, there's nothing really that the A4 brings to the table that the A1 doesn't do. So do you think they should, do you, I mean, they should, like Valve have made it pretty clear that they're always going to be striving to make them both viable. And that's not from like a gun balance kind of thing. It's a purely monetary sort of thing for Valve where it's just like they want every gun to be viable because every gun then has skins and then they make more money. So that's literally the, the model that they use to make money for CSGO is selling skins. That's the whole reason why Valve will always try to make every gun viable. It's just so that they can potentially sell more skins. That's the whole thing. 
because uh, right now as it is, it's like you buy an AK skin, you buy an, an A1 skin, maybe a P250 skin or like a P2, P2000 skin, and like you're good, right? You're set. You got a Glock skin too. You never look at the other guns. So for Valve, that's lost money. That's lost moolah. So for them, it's like, no, no, no. We need to figure out how to get the Galil viable, the FAMAS viable, the, the A4 viable. Like everything needs to be viable so that you can get more money. So they're, they're always going to be striving to make them viable. It's just like how they go about it. I still haven't landed on the perfect solution to be able to get the A4 unless My you just problem is, fire. Basically, I think it's a disgrace they're two separate guns. It wasn't a separate gun in 1.6. It was like the USP. You can take the silencer off. You can put the silencer on in the same round if you want. So as a result, you can choose when you use it in what way. And in 1.6, by the way, there was a pretty healthy distribution. People like Forrest 100% of the time used the silencer. People like, I don't know, fucking Gore or something from Mouse Sports. Like, there's players that never used the silencer. I'm trying to think of another one, maybe. For, maybe Trace from MTW is, I think, a good example. Maybe There was people who never used the silencer because, again, it was about positionally how do you want to use the gun. The problem I have is they just buff one and nerf the other and then they just leave it and go wow why isn't people using both because you've incentivized them to use one and their professionals trying to win the guy the game you fucking cunt like that's just the way the game works so i personally think you should be allowed to have them both viable within the game or have them both be the same gun and just swap them around and i think that ideally both should be viable depending on the circumstances it would add to more tactical depth, right? If like you were, right, were going to yeah. play a Pacific, a Pacific that's that's the, the like the thought process behind it, and kind of like how we were trying to theorize before. It's just that the A1S is so strong now that even if before there was like a slight edge to having the A4, it's it's outweighed by just how how powerful the A1S is now. Being able to spam through smoke without people being able to see where you're shooting from is just so powerful. When pl when pro players are so good at zeroing in on those tracers and just going through the smoke and damaging you, like they. Um, it's just such an advantage, but like it used to be that you could actually have, there was a period there, man, I can't specifically remember when, but like where it was kind of like, you could kind of go between both of them, depending on which position you played on a map on CT side. But, um, for the life of me, I can't specifically remember when I was, uh, when we were making that kind of point. Um, but yeah, no, obviously it would be sick if that could be the case, if you could actually have, um, interchangeability so that you could be more strategic that way. It'd be tough for pro teams though. Like on on um like on matchmaking, it's kind of a whatever sort of scenario. But like for pro teams, you know, it's like you kind of know. It, do you think that 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 factors in on the CT side that you know this guy plays A one S and he plays these positions? Oh, of course. Think about this logically. Imagine you play a banana on Inferno and you use the M four A four, and I swap positions with you. I now have to use your M four A four, otherwise they know it's not you because you're firing a silence gun. Exactly. So that scenario, you've already made a situation where I actually have a deficit as a CT if I want to just swap a position in. So you can't play mind games with them, as you see. You can't even switch up your spots. Like, maybe I played this spot with M4A1 this round, and next round I play with the sounds caught in the site or something. You know what I mean? That's, that's why I don't like it. I like the game to provide as many strategical options as possible, and then the player picks it, not Valve. Valve doesn't go, to this month I've decided the silencer one is better. Because the reason I don't like that, by the way, is because think of some great players that are just associated with one of them. So I'll give you an example. Elish was a fucking amazing player with the silencer. Magus was one of the best sprayers ever without the silencer. You know what I mean? Like, it depends which player you're talking about. Like, some of them are. Or when everybody was using A1S, he was just using A4. Yeah, exactly. So, to me, it should, should be viable for both. Right, fair enough. All right. IWD, once again, making an appearance. Semler, will you rapid fire lightning round pick the winners of the first round of the time travel land matchups to see where you disagree with the old boys club? Um, okay. Uh, 2018-19 Astralis, 2016-17 Gambit. I uh, take uh, oh man, do I really have to? Okay, so hold on. This is this is not even a, a question. Why are you why are you deliberating on this? This is the most slam dunk one, isn't it? 
No, well, okay. He's asking you which you would pick out, the Gambit that won the Major Semlot or the best Astralis team ever. And you're deliberating on this one. Deliberating? Okay, fine. I was just like, I was thinking for for your sake, because this is like a solo question just for me and I'm going to have to read this shit out. It's going to take time. That's why I was just like... Let me read it out then. Let me find this question. question. No, no, we'll do this quickly. He wants you to do it quick. I'm trying to be like a good co-host. Watch, he wants you to do this fast. So I'll just ask you each one of these, right? The Prime Astralis that won the four mage, the three majors versus the Gambit that won PGL Krakow. Who do you pick? Yeah, Astralis. Astralis. Right. 2013 Nip. So he really means the streak one and the, all the early yeah, era. Flaren, versus 2015 Nip with Alu. No, I still take... Uh, oh, man. The, is this Michael Ailey? No, this is, is this Michael Ailey Nip? No, it's Alu. It's Alu Nip? Yeah, that's Alu Nip. No. Okay. Then 2019 Team Liquid, the Grand Slam team, versus the Very Games team that like made semis of the first major. Yeah, Very Games Titan, the the Very Games Titan kind of mix. Uh, no, uh, that Very Games Titan. No, I go with uh, 2019 Liquid. All right, Luminosity from 2016. So the two majors is SK and Luminosity versus 2015 Envy, and in that one he means the one that. Um, let me go with check. Uh, this would have been that. This would have yes, been that. This is yeah. the one, the Kenny and Apex one from Collusion of Poker, and also made the final of Cologne. Okay. So, who are you taking for that one, Luminosity or Envy? I got to go with Envy on that one. Like that's that's already a difference. We did 2016 Luminosity for that. Then okay. you've got 2017 Astralis, so the one that beat Virtus Pro to win E League versus last year's Navi. Last year's Navi. And then we have 2014 LDLC, so the one that won Dreamhack Winter with the Boost Gates thing versus 2018 Phase that lost the Boston Major Final. Who are you picking out of those two? 2018 phase. I think we also picked phase for that one. 2014 Virtus Pro, so the Kadavitsa winners, but also that lineup obviously lasts forever, versus 2015-16 Na'Vi, which was one that was in the two major finals but lost them with Guardian. Uh, Guardian. Poor Guardian, dude. Uh, I go with the Na'Vi on that one. I think we went Virtus Pro on that one. 2015 Fnatic against the Cloud9 that won the Boston Major. 2015 Fnatic. This yeah. is uh okay. No, I go. I have to go with Fnatic. Yeah, there you go. So I think you disagreed on a couple. I think you had uh, Navi Envy. over VP, and you had Envy over Luminosity. I think those are the only two where you disagreed, though. I gotta go with Kenny. I mean, I can't go. I can't. I can't dodge on, my, on that one, man. Seriously. Right, next, right, question. next question. Skizord, what sports or esports, if any, did you ever try to get into but just couldn't do it? Ha, mobas. I just can't. I tried. I've put literally fucking. I thought you played loads of Dota, didn't you? Yeah, LOL, Dota. Like you I just never got into it. Literally thousands of hours into both of those games, and I just can't. It was always, always, always just felt like I was forcing myself. What don't just, you get about it? What doesn't sort of click for you? It feels like I'm just trapped in a prison. <laughs> Oh, I know what you mean in that sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, and especially Dota, where you can't get out. Like, there's no escape. Like, you just can't get out. You're there for as long as that game lasts. Here's what I always tell people. I know this sounds mad because everyone envisions CSGO and they just think of those clips where, like, someone on voice comms is spamming, like, slurs at you or something. They think, oh, it's such a toxic game. CSGO is way more lighthearted because here's why. In CSGO, as long as I actually am very cynical, I can. this guy can fuck me on this position. They can lose the other side. I'm still fragging out. I still get a gun every three rounds. Like, oh, the reason yeah. I always say Dota and League of Legends suck is because when you get in a game where you're behind in the game, 
And then remember the opponents in league, they get more money, which turns into stats. In Dota, they get more levels that turns into stats. Like they're getting more and more powerful as I'm going. So actually, yeah, like you're saying, it's getting as the game goes worse, it's more and more frustrating. And by the end of the game, the joke is whereas Simple can carry a game, he wouldn't carry certain games in League or Dota. He would be trapped as well, and he can't do anything against a guy twice as powerful as him. So yeah, I've always said those games, like that, that floor when you play in public is what makes everyone toxic. It's the game. It's not actually the nature of people playing in public and people are all talking. It's the game is frustrating and it makes you automatically hate all your teammates and you actually start to hate the game then. Whereas, as I say in CS, I can hate my teammates, but I like the game. I'm loving the game. I'm still fragging out. That's exactly it. That's the yeah. big difference. I have a similar like, vibe. Yeah. Yeah. CS, the roles are interchangeable. You're not locked into a role. Uh, Dota, Dota, like Dota, or, and it's funny because obviously all the good studio guys were fucking mad into Dota. That's when I put all that time into Dota was playing with them, but I just couldn't fucking do it for the life of me. I just could not enjoy the game. It always felt like a struggle. It always felt like I mean, the only way to play that game is to play with mates. And even then, it's still, it can still, it's not the same as playing CS. Like CS is still just the 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 supreme game in that sense. What There's about no- sports though? Do you have a sport? Because you're not like a super sports guy. Is there any big sports you ever tried to get into you just couldn't get to? that I tried to get into that I couldn't get into surfing. Like I tried getting into surfing and then I loaned my board to my friend or I left it at his house and it got jacked. And then I just never bought another board. (laughs) So surfing, but like lived in, lived in Los Angeles, had a bunch of friends who were into surfing. I skated everywhere. Like I was always skateboarding everywhere, but I just couldn't get like, I I just couldn't get motivated enough. I guess because I was just far enough away from the beach. I was three miles away from the beach. So I was like just far enough away from the beach without a car for it to be a hassle to get there. And so I just never got the bug. Like the bug just, I just never got bit by the bug. So surfing probably is the one for me. Yeah. That and LA water is fucking cold. So I was like, ah, no, it's fucking miserable. Here's the two angles I have. So for esports, it's actually going to be a funny one because I did loads of work in this game. I did loads of interviews and for the interviews, you'd assume I had some level of expertise. It's StarCraft 2, easily. I tried watching loads of that, but the problem is because I come from StarCraft Brood War, it's just a shitter version of the same game. It's just it's just a much more inferior version of the same game. Like it's decided by way more spe- like fucking variable factors. You can be way less skilled in winning it. Brood War is like more like a chess game. It's like a slow build up with like certain phases of the game you enter, and then you're ahead in this far, but you're behind there, and it's there's way more of a chess game. Starcraft 2 is like checkers. You just quickly get up to your 200 supply, you smash two armies into each other, you barely even micro in them because the game's just made the AI way too good. Famously, Broodwide super old fucked AI on the pathing. Like, loads of the elements of the tech actually ruined it. You could just build everything with one key. You can't start, Broodwide, you have to have all these control groups. Like, that's why I say it. the problem is, it, essentially, Broodwide ruined Starcraft for me. I couldn't get into it as a result. I could see it was just an inferior game. That, and so I just covered that. If people don't know, that's the first eSport I fully, full time covered that I wasn't a massive fan of. That's actually what enabled me to then go to League of Legends because I obviously wasn't a huge fan of League of Legends either. Then in terms of sports, I'm actually someone, if you notice, who generally likes a lot of the sports. It used to be an easy answer. If we go back in time, like five years ago, it was easily American football. I just never got into it at the time. I could never sort of find the way in and it just seemed boring, quite frankly, the times I'd watched it. Whereas it was the right people explaining what to look for sort of gave me the in there. So instead, I'll just say this. Being as, this is very topical right now, Samler, in England in particular, if you know some of the sporting results recently, I have never for one second in my life been able to get into women's sports. I don't get what the appeal is. Now, the reason why is this. I don't like tier two sports. Like when yeah. I watch a sport, I want to watch the best in the world play because they're going to do shit I've never seen before. It's going to blow my mind. It's going to push the sport to a new level. It's going to be the highest. I wouldn't watch like 
Division Three football. So why would I watch the women's football team play for England? It's going to be shit, isn't it? So I have to say, sadly, the reason I bring that up, Samuel, is because everyone used to agree with me and go, yeah, who would watch it? But because the women's England football team won the Euros, everyone pretended for like a week that they really care and that it was really good. And they were even doing that thing, which they don't get, is the bigotry of low expectations. They would go, huh? That, that lassie's fucking good. She could play with the Mets. Like, you idiot. You've just invalidated your own thing. You moron. You're supposed to believe they're totally equally legit and that they have to be kept apart to protect them. Like, oh, give me a fucking break. So, yeah, the whole thing's just bobkins. It's nonsense. And probably the worst one of all, because the, probably the sport that people love women's te- the most is tennis, right? Loads of people watch tennis and love women's tennis. I can't buy it. I, want, I love men's tennis. The women's tennis is so fucking shit. It is mental. Similar, they can't even top spin the ball. Something yeah. Bjorn Borg was doing in the 80s. He was doing in the 80s. These motherfuckers have had decades of preparation, training. They can watch the men. They can hit with the men. They just can't do it. And then you look, because they can't do topspin, it's like they're playing tennis from 1930, Samla, and everyone else is in 2022. It's mental. And then add in, they don't even play a best of five in their Grand Slams. And then they get equal prize money for playing less matches and at a low level. Fuck that noise. Fuck that noise. And by the way, because I know where it went to in women's tennis, that's why I push back against some of the nonsense in female esports. Because it'll be the same thing. Down the line, you'll just be spending billions on this shit and you'll all be lying to yourself going, ha, Giuliano, in many ways, she is as good as simple. Do you not have eyes, you cunt? Well, that's the issue. Well, I mean, okay, already you want to go, like, if you want to go down that path, it really is just like all female sports is just subsidized by male sports. And so, because no, no, none of them would stand on their own, apart from, funnily maybe enough, one day a female I, UFC could get that. I feel like that could one day break through, maybe. But even then, they still use cards where they balance it with loads of male fights, of course. I can't watch female UFC. I, there's something, something. I'm not a big fan of myself. I do find it actually me about it. I just yeah. don't like watching like yes. I just watch like watching women beat up on each other. So like it's just not my thing. I don't get it. I mean, it. I'll even throw in there as well. A thing I hear about the UFC that no one ever brings up somebody isn't even just the violence angle. It's that the obvious way to cheat is to take fucking male hormones. So That's you're already it. becoming less of a woman to win a weaver. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like this is just fucking nonsense. Now that's that's the it's that well like that's the thing it's like i think you're on you're on something where it's just I, most i also people- love how that's like the fucking male feminist take as well huh, you guys make me sick i enjoy watching women getting beaten up as much as men what a fucking take like, exactly. what a hill to die on my god what a hill to die on watch guys because it's supposed to be it's, it's a safe <laughs> way to combat you know so it's like you don't expect yes. to see women out there with fucking swords and shields you know it's like this is the way that men can get that out in a civilized civilized way you know apart from literally going to war so that's that's the thing it's just a, it's just that so to, to see women doing that to me it's just it feels weird but also like it's just you're you're 100 on the money it's just like people want to watch competition for the same reason they want to watch any competition really at the end of the day is they want to watch the very best go at it and so that's why there are sports that can still work where women excel like rat like racing rally car driving there's apparently like some fucking sick rally car drivers out there that are females but again that's like on that physical side maybe that's that's where it goes like competitive shooting also apparently it's like you know guns hey guns are the great equalizer you know like women can shoot the other one apparently is like long distance swimming or something there's some there's some like particular spot that's like some niche one that they're best in apparently so they float better so they can travel better they accept they they conserve energy so they can kick ass long distance running same thing um oh why am i blanking on her name all of a sudden um Yep, there's Ward, the, always running from the truth done miles and miles now who are you talking about sick runner out there right now who's just like this ultra runner a uh, hundred mile or uh doe walter 
Courtney Dowalter, dude. Total fucking savage, like winning these crazy hundred miles. Is she miles. Saudi Arabian? Because I imagine you'd be doing a lot of running if you were. Actually, <laughs> dude, over there. That was... <laughs> no, in fact, I tell you what, the starter pistol, that's scary over there. I'm telling you. No, it's just like, I, why, why aren't people like reasonably, it's, it's difficult on this one because I guess ego gets involved or whatever, right? Or like you, you're you're starting to deal with pride or whatever. Like they, um, it's kind of tough. And I guess in some cases, in some sports, it's going to be tough where it's just like you have to accept that your sports, like not as many people want to tune into your sports and you're in fact kind of just surviving off of what, what could be seen as charity or subsidized, getting subsidized by the male sport. Like female NBA hasn't done anything in decades. And like nobody watches it. Nobody can name the team. Uh, there was a clip going around last week of some like reporter out there interviewing this kid who was wearing the shirt of the team. And she's asking him like, oh, are you a fan of the sky? And he's like, I don't know what that is. You know, he's wearing the fucking shirt of the team. It's just brutal, man. Do you want to so, know how I know people aren't real spot fans of the WNBA similar? Because obviously it's the classic one you're supposed to lie and say you like if you want to pretend you walk, right? Here's what most people don't know. Are you ready? I bet no one ever told you this, even though there's loads of feminists out there. Do you know, Semler, that they use a smaller size ball in the WNBA? Uh, no, I did not. Well, know it's that. interesting, isn't it? It's a hoop lower as well. You've never heard that, have you? No one's ever told you that detail. Why would someone not tell you that the literal ball you use fundamentally is different? Almost it's like that'd be an interesting detail. Like, who's wild, the chick? Uh, who's who's the one that's locked up right now in Russia? Like she oh, had Greener, Brittany yeah, Greener or something. Greener, right. And like she's the one where it's just like she's had like twenty five dunks in her whole career. That that, that was, one is true, by the way. They don't dunk very often, unfortunately. Similarly, dunk. because again, the ball's smaller and the like the other joke is similar. Like the numbers is just so off in their sport you can't get into it because they'll they will they will be like, and it's a career high here, thirty two points. You're like, what? Dude, that's like a bad game for Kobe. What are you what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like or they'll be like the first person to make five three pointers. Like what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Kenny the Jet Gint Smith can come out of retirement and do that now. What? It's fucking brutal. I mean, I think it's brutal because if you want to be, I, I mean, I guess there must be some pushback for for like track and field or, or anything like that. You know, like track and field, they literally run around in like bikinis and shit. You ever heard that stat, Semler? I heard this randomly online. You might like this. There was a stat that supposedly. Of the top 25 world record, like like top 25 record shot put throws in women's shot put, okay. all 25 are before the doping rules came in that like stopped the Soviet Union and like China and stuff. All 25. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then after That's that. That's going to be decades. Like, what the yeah. fuck? You know what I mean? So is that Not sport close. essentially just experimental drugs? That's all it is. Like, <laughs> what, what practice? The practice is like fucking, like fucking Powerpuff Girls, like <laughs> a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you know, weightlifting, same thing, right? You know, it's just like, okay, they are just, they've got to be roided out of their minds to be pulling weight like that and all. I mean, yeah. By the way, that's the one area I'm actually with people that it's not as big a deal is my problem is this. Have you noticed that a lot of the sports that the controversy is in about women competing or trans women and these topics are the sports where everyone behind the scenes, it is an open secret as doping the fuck out of themselves anyway. And the whole things just don't get caught. Cause you know, in the modern day, this is one of the worst things about being a UFC fan similar. You don't know the average UFC fan really believes most of them aren't on steroids and that's only the ones who get caught are. Like, they really don't get that. Like, no, no, that's just called the figure out the odds that you fail the test and eventually some people are going to fail. The, exactly. the joke is the best guys ever are just really good at cycling. Not, not uh, like Lance book, Armstrong one, obviously. On that topic that was fascinating and I couldn't put it down, like I, I just read it almost straight through, was The Secret Race. 
and it's the story okay. of uh, it's the, it's Armstrong's teammate. Um, All I'm going to say is this, Sadler. Sure. This is a joke. It's explicitly a joke. But in light of your current reputation about politics, be really careful about saying you read a brilliant book called The Secret Race. <laughs> Get that. <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you explained that at least i'm glad, I'm glad there was some more coming after I gotta, that. I gotta add that really quickly you know just like uh it, this is about cycling everybody about there cycling. you go there you go okay about competitive racing yes uh it's, dude that was that got it moment did you want did you see that clip pop up where the guy's just like oh, so t-? it's like some asian guy asking an old white guy like so what's your favorite race <laughs> and the guy's just like i i don't have any particular one oh, and the guy's like, deadpan on, you know it's like well i'm a big fan of the daytona 500 you there know? you like, go it was a bit <laughs> there you go, there you go. Just, exactly he's now he's now trapped yeah. and he's like oh, well I, I don't have any particular favorite one haha <laughs> you know it has to go along with it because obviously it's a mega loaded question Icarus documentary was also excellent, French. Yeah, that was a solid one. But the secret race, it was um, inside the hidden world. It was Tyler Hamilton, who was um, Armstrong's teammate. Holy shit, that book is amazing. And it's all about the doping and everything that they were doing. I mean, everybody was doping. It was all game. It was like a, the game within the game of how what you could get away with and who you could bribe and who you could do it. It was just Oh, fucking- man, you know one thing that pisses me off a lot? is when people who don't know anything about the sport just go, Lance Armstrong was a bitch and a coward and a cheater, right? On an absolute level, yes. But understand, all the people who turned on him did it to get immunity from their own cheating. They were all cheating. He was better at cheating and riding a bike than them. So, like, that is one, that story particularly is so, there's so much gray area in that one. People don't know. They think it's an open and shut clause, but it ain't. Every, the joke is they even had actual races where it's like the first eight people were all like got doping. That's happened. Like, like, oh, the first eight, like, like, come on, man. So, I, that whole topic's so dirty, isn't it? Because oh, they make it, up, like, Lance Hampson, you're a disgrace. Take your titles away. Then you just give them to some other guy that was doping you morons. That's basically it. Yeah, they were like everybody. Said, that's why Armstrong was just straight up about where he still has the jerseys on his living room wall. Yeah. Those are my jerseys. No, like, I not- agree. By the way, and that's it- one thing in general I have a very controversial take on because I think the same thing in StarCraft. You know, in StarCraft Broodwell, the player Savior famously got caught match fixing. And in StarCraft 2, there was another player called Life. In Korea, they are so harsh, similar. They actually memory hold those people. If you go to the OGN studio, there was an OGN that this guy won, like Shinhan Bank OSL Season 3. It just says nobody won it. They have memory hold him Stalin style out of a fucking photo. That's mental because you were there. You did read it. There's video evidence. Like, listen, you might not like what the guy did elsewhere, but you cannot deny his accomplishment. He did win that tournament. Like, I think that's disgraceful when they take people out of history like that. I think it's gross, mate. Gross. It is gross because then it's like, how far do how far are you willing to go with that? Like, you need to push at the distance if you're going to play these kinds of games. But then, no, it's just Armstrong. It turns out it was like just a political hit because what he was an asshole and he pissed people off, and it just felt like okay, he's going to be the whipping boy. It's so, it's so bizarre. Okay, next, next question. There's going to so, only be a few left now, right? Uh, yeah, we got like just three left. Um, RN Jesus, who would be your top five? Who would be your top five players at this point in the year? Right, easy one, simple number one. So we'll have that one. Let, let me sure. think. Who else are we going with? Because Spinks and Blame F are probably in there. You have to have Zywoo still. Even with, I'd probably still have Zywoo if I had to I'll guess. So there's four. Who are we going for the fifth one? Like, here's the problem, because the players that really fuck up all the ratings, if you go and look, is Axile and Shiro always have mad numbers, but they just don't go that deep in the tournament. So the problem with them is, yeah, do they get the legitimacy? Like, if you don't always go to the final, by the way, it's also easier to get bad stats. So I'm trying to think, who else? Who could the fifth player be? Did you have Rain as fifth? No, no, I don't. You wouldn't put Rain I'd probably say Stown, maybe, from Heroic. Maybe Stown. Really? 
but he isn't. They aren't making finals either. No, but earlier in the year, well, they aren't, but there's not many people are. Like, who is in finals? There's a question. I mean, I, well, that's the thing. From everybody's kind of like here, but like, I, I'm thinking Rain just because he really fucking steps up in like big time matches. No, big but time not over games. the whole year, though. That's the problem. Dude, yeah. he's not even top three in his own team. How can he be top five of the world? Sure, he is top three in his own team. Get no out of way. here. No way. The top three in that team is fucking in this order. Like, it, the problem is it's not Robson at the moment. It should be. It's actually probably Brokey, Twists, and fucking Robson if I had to guess the order. Like, it's not Rain, no way. Yeah. Rain, but the I, problem with Rain is he had two of the biggest tons of the year he stepped up. Uh, you know, he hasn't been, like, taking over, you know what no, I mean? No, no, he hasn't had to be in that team. But, yeah, he hasn't really stepped up. Rain above Robs right now, as it stands. That I'm may not take it. In fact, you know what? Maybe I'll put Twists here. Maybe Twists gets the last spot. Twists is fucking bot. Yeah, Mainly Twist is- from impact. It's more from my test than raw stats. Like, he's just had a bunch of it. Maybe I go Twists is about fifth. There you go. There you go. So I've got simple, Spinks, Blame, FZ, Woos, Twists. You can decide the order. Yeah, I like it. Uh, let's see. Zumba. Tough question. Favorite hamburger fillings? Oh, and then? Mm, You're the American. Jalapenos. I, I gotta have some spice, man. Gotta have some spice. Like that's basically like if I can have bacon and jalapenos on all burgers, I'm good with the rest. Like cheese, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, fine, give or take. But like bacon and jalapenos, I'm I'm pretty straightforward. I'll tell you something weird. When I was a boy growing up, it, when we used to make burgers in England, because it was traditionally like you're doing a home burger here. One thing we never did that I've noticed all the really good burger chains do is we never put mayonnaise on it. We never put any mayonnaise on the burger. Whereas I've noticed that mayonnaise should by default be on most burgers. And then if you want ketchup as well, you put some of that on. Because the other thing is, when I was a boy, all you do with the burgers, you just put loads of ketchup on. Whereas I actually noticed in the modern day, like you have that burger sauce in America as well, which is kind of like a mix of like fucking ketchup with something else and mustard or something. Awesome and shit like that too. Because I'm a I fan mean, of that one, like with the dill pickling, where it's that burger sauce, like that's pretty good. Dude, in pickles in general, I'm a fan of. I like pickles to make taste quite nice in burger, I think. In and out sauce, like the In and Out Secret Sauce, whatever that is on that's a burger. Bad, yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty solid. Like a good In and Out burger. Now that I think about it, dude, it's been years since I had an In and Out burger. I could go for an In and Out burger right about now. Damn. I'm more of a Five Guys type guy, but you know, Fair enough. That's how, I, that's how I do it. Everything. <laughs> All right, what do we uh, what do we got here? Archives of Justinian. I was a bit unclear on my last question. Uh, what current players would you want to see in a show match on the pre-op nerf patch? What current? We're not doing this again. What do you want to see? Who gives a fuck, mate? It's not, I'm sorry, we gave this like 10 minutes last time. It wasn't that interesting. Like, we tried. It's not that interesting. He basically just means who yeah, hasn't played with... Like, which orpers haven't played with the pre-op nerf? So let's just do the... Like, same Paul's evil. Yeah, there, we did it. Oh, there you go. See, she wrote, there you go. I've, I've done it for you. Next question. Last, oh, one's good. A, last one's a good one. What's your favorite cut of beef from Koiza? Kozia? Now, this is easy for me. And the reason why is because, look, I am obviously fat right now, so I'm not claiming right now I do this diet. But I typically in my life, I like I actually like to do the keto diet. So when I eat a keto diet, I want the cut that has the most fat. So I normally go with ribeye. There you go. Yeah, I go for tomahawks, which is basically a ribeye with a, a giant one. Yeah, yeah on the board. Yeah, exactly. With a, with, a, with a handle. You know, that's yes. why they're awesome is that they come with a handle. So you can literally just eat the steak off of the bone. It's fucking awesome. And it's just, you're right. Lots of fat, lots of flavor, tender. You cook it right. It's just the best fucking cut of meat ever. I could eat that every day and never get bored. Right? It's just no, the absolutely. best. I literally do sometimes. Yeah. So good. So good. So yeah, easy peasy. Well, that's a show. I even right? had that, by the way, at the gym one time. I had a guy who was like a trainer and he was like, so tell me like your diet. Like, what are you eating? I was like, probably like ribeye steak. Something. He's like, no, no, I mean like every day. I was like, yeah, ribeye steak. Like, and he was like, every day. It's like, isn't that expensive? And I was like, I got money. So. 
<laughs> money, haven't I? So what do you want? It's not my fault I was born like this, mate. Someone had to be it's successful. Way, though, May like, as well be me. Like the mail-in, uh, like I, I watched an ad the other day where it's like um, this guy's just like, oh, you know, and they do the mail-in, you know, because now you can do the mail-in butcher, butcher stuff like that where oh, you, get okay. your, you get your meat mailed to you. And it's like, yeah, okay, great. And you're just like, yeah, you'll never be out of uh, be out of steak or whatever. I'm just like, dude, that shit's expensive. Ordering the ordering the meat, getting it delivered to you, like that's just fucking expensive. Holy shit! Like, okay, if you have the money to do it, fucking hey, awesome. But it's like, not everybody's gonna be able to do that. You can't just act like everybody's gonna have the money uh, to to go down that path. You know, it's like, most of the time you're gonna be cutting corners. But that is a flex, yeah. The, you're just like, oh yeah, of course we buy every day. Yeah, don't, don't you do that? You know, you're you're here training. Are you you would want? <laughs> uh all right. Well, that's uh, that's gonna be a show, my dude. Once again. Thanks uh, so much uh, for uh, being here. Okay. Um, and also, yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in and thanks for the support. Uh, be sure to hit follow on Twitch, follow on YouTube, hit a, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to leave us a thumbs up and a, and a comment. That always helps uh, with the algo gods. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify and iTunes, now we're there as well. So be sure to leave a review there, leave the stars, leave the thumbs up, leave a comment. Even if it's one word, it helps. It's really sick. It gets that uh, algo working and uh, more people get to listen to us uh, uh, rant and rave. But uh, Thorn, dude, thanks so much, man. Always a good time. And uh, I guess we'll catch up next week after the blast groups have played out or at least partway through. We'll get to at least look at what uh, we predicted this time around and we'll get to talk a bit about that. So we'll see you guys uh, next week with the next episode. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.